a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Luke Skywalker has returned to his home planet of Tatooine in an attempt to rescue his friend Han Solo from the clutches of the violent gangster Jabba the Hutt. Little does Luke know that the Galactic Empire has secretly begun construction on a new armored space station, even more powerful than the first dreaded Death Star. When completed, this ultimate weapon will spell certain doom for the small band of rebels struggling to restore freedom to the galaxy. What is up, everybody? We are here. Week number six. Oh, my God. We are already at week six of the Bomb Bad Build Up. You know what that means? We are we are finishing up the original trilogy tonight, guys. Today we we are coming down to the return of the Jedi, and with it comes my buddy Scotty Jero, and also the return of a guest who uh, is, is a Bomb Bad uh, a Bomb Bad classic. Pretty good I'm Jedi. So yes, Return of the Jedi or Return of the Brad Whipple. How you doing, buddy? Hello, boyos. I'm happy to be back. <laughs> yeah, it's good to it's have good to you back, back, man. Yeah, we were and talking again. before air. It's been like two months like since we've we've uh, interacted on the podcast sphere. So it's kind of crazy. Time's gone by. Last time we met, uh, we were all but the, the learners. Now we're the... Uh, the avoiding Twitter as much as we can, or I guess yes. so. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I don't really think that makes any sense. Soul, maybe. <laughs> yeah. And no. I'm, talk to you, Bombad fam, out there. So. I will. I will not venture into the Twitterverse past this release date. So anyone who needs to get in contact with me, um, you can send me a letter. I will give you my address. <laughs> after the day, after the 20th. No, um, in all seriousness, Brad, we're so happy to have you here, especially to talk this movie. We've had this bomb bad buildup really like like a big train, like a space train going through the galaxy at full speed. And before you know it, we will be at the release of The Rise of Skywalker so soon, less than three weeks, pretty much. So I don't know if y'all have your, your opening night, 7 p.m., Thursday, the uh, 19th showing, but I am jonesing for that day. I'm taking off work. So I am, it is going to be, it is going to be so amazing. I can't believe it. Well, Scotty and Brad, I'm not saying that I'm a better fan, but (laughs) I have a 6 p.m. showing. So technically, wow. Wait, that's. Even like that's even like five p.m. your time. Scott. Yes, so you're seeing it. Still makes me better than you. Oh my god! So, I'm, so, I'm gonna be kind of honestly. If you think about it, if you have a five p.m. showing Central Standard Time, essentially, that means mm-hmm. you will be seeing this movie so much earlier than me. By the time the movie ends, the, my movie will be starting more than likely, and you'll can, all you do. Is, can you believe that? <laughs> <laughs> I would, I, I, I would I drive up that evening. You trust me? Could you imagine? No, um, Brad, are, are you ready for that? Luke's father? Yeah. <laughs> hey, we all we all know we all know Ben's Ben Demption is happening. So you know we don't have to even worry spoiling that. So. Ooh, interesting yeah, statement. I know Brad's a big fan of that that train, and you know what? This idea of redemption will definitely be brought up in this episode. This is the movie for redemption. But um, I guess with that being said, Brad, we're so happy to have you here. Let's get into it. So, 
this entire bomb bomb bad buildup. We've had guests who who love this movie, who love their own particular movie, be on the show. Um, and this week we got Brad. And Brad, I want to ask you first: What does Return of the Jedi mean to you personally? To me, it means victory, which is weird to say because there's three more movies after that that yeah go completely <laughs> counter to that idea. <laughs> but when you think about all the, you know, the shitstorm so-called that ensues after Return of the Jedi in the universe of the Mandalorian, the Aftermath series, mm-hmm. you know, Resistance, the TV show, mm-hmm. there's a lot that's going on mm-hmm. that's bad. But at least for just a fleeting moment, the Rebellion had their day where they could celebrate and finally no longer feel like they had their backs against the wall or that the, mm-hmm. the spark of hope could go out at any moment. So they finally, even though it's towards the end of the film and it's very brief, that is one of the lasting like images and scenery that, that sticks with me. And I think of even, you know, the, the statue of, of chancellor Palpatine being torn down, obviously very yeah. reminiscent of at the time of the, uh, you know, Saddam Hussein statue being torn down in our mm-hmm. own world. So there's a lot of that kind of imagery of, of no longer being oppressed. And I think that is a huge, a huge takeaway and oppression from the, the point of our characters too. you know, Vader is, is liberated. He's redeemed. He's free from the, the chains of his master. And um, those are the kind of the ideals that stick with me throughout this movie. It's why I, I love it. That's awesome. I, I never thought about it from a relating it to, um, I guess, real life experiences um, in regards to this movie in particular. And there is some things I can bring up later involving the Ewoks that deals to war and what that means and, and the end of war as well. But um, that's a good, that's a beautiful point, Brad. Um, Jerry, why do Thanks. you love this movie? Well, what is, what is, I'm sorry, what does it mean to you? I guess. Well, Return of the Jedi, and I don't know, we were texting kind of back and forth whenever I was watching it, Scotty, and, and talking about how it's it's a little hard to really, this is going to sound bad, dig for that deep meaning. It's not that there's not deep meaning in it, it's that this takes a while. end of the story, uh, for a while, like yes. we, we've been talking about, you know, and so, um, but just, I don't know, this, this movie has, I think it was probably my favorite when I was a kid, uh, and has moved to about my third favorite, but I still, it's even these movies when you, when you kind of like rank them, uh, it's just a, I, I like this one. I, I watch this one less than I watch this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know, man, there, there's just things about this that have really grown on me. Like I will listen to the battle of indoor tracks, like oh battle of three, uh, and just that entire whole end, uh, score uh by john williams mr mr williams and uh just i don't know i mean i get emotional like especially uh the the part where uh luke is hiding underneath and not to jump ahead but the part where luke is hiding underneath uh the platform and and vader's under there and he's kind of taunting him saying you know like uh you know oh you have a sister oh well you know if you won't turn then maybe i'll i'll turn her and just that whole the emotion in that and like Luke popping out and, and going to town on Vader essentially. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I think what gets me about this movie, what I love about this movie is probably that final battle, that, that battle for the, the soul yeah. of the galaxy. Yeah. And that's, 
uh, that's about all I can gush right now without just spiraling into uh, uh, tirade. <laughs> so. Well, you know, I, I think the Rise of Skywalker will do what this movie did in regards to the ending battle. You know, but at a much higher uh, pace and a much probably but more not significant. This this ending battle is very significant, but maybe at a at a much more enhanced experience than what we got with the you know the no, the Return of the Jedi. Um, for me personally, this movie is just I just I just know that I've seen this one the most. Like I remember putting this movie in so many times the VHS player and just really taking in this movie and seeing all the, especially Jabba, the opening scene is amazing, but like the music, the battle of Endor, it's probably the most kid friendly star Wars, just in regards to pacing and silliness and campiness. And I don't know. I think, I think as a child, I really had a lot of uh, love towards this movie in particular. And um, as an adult, I've probably grown to appreciate it more as a, movie of its time too. I mean this I bring it up later. It's probably the most 80s Star Wars movie. It's like the most like generationally um um influenced Star Wars movie in regards to the look and the way it's shot and how silly it is and the humor. It's it's kind of uh it's very interesting. Um but yeah no I think this movie is um is probably one of the more dramatic Star Wars movies in regards to how huge and how big it is. But um, I don't know. There's there's a lot of things that could take apart in this movie, and I, and I hope during our conversation today, boys, boyos, uh, we can really uh, tear this movie apart in regards to its storytelling and what it does for the overall Skywalker saga. But, um, yeah, no, I... I I think we've stated why we love this movie uh, enough. Um, I do. I right. just love how it makes me feel. It is like, like you, Brad said, it's kind of a, it's like the first taste of victory. Like we did it, you know, it's a kind of relieving. Um, but, um, you know, what, what about this movie in general makes it a great star Wars movie? Like why, why would this be? I, I mean, I guess to, I want to hear your opinions first, but I want to say one thing. This is probably the most Star Wars, Star Wars movie, if that makes any sense. It's like everything that we know about Star Wars is amped up to like a million with all the creatures and the silliness and the 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 Huddies voices. And I don't know. I think it's just so Star Warsy, and and the use of the Force is very interesting. It's not as a it's not as deep as it was as Empire, but anyway, uh, Jerry, what, why is this such a Star Wars movie? What makes this a great Star Wars movie? Well, you know, kind of the, all the essential ingredients that we've been talking about since we've been doing the, the Bombay cast, I mean, everyone's been talking about this kind of stuff, but um, you look at, uh, it's got the monsters, it's got the creatures, uh, just superficially, you know, it's got the, the cool, fun hero mm-hmm. action moment. It's got uh, just everything that you, you look for uh, in a Star Wars movie. All the essential ingredients are in here. You, you know, be it monsters, ships, space battles, uh, blaster fights, what have you. It is all in here. And so I, that, that's just, it's quintessential uh, Star Wars in what someone thinks of as Star mm-hmm. Wars. Yes. Uh, plus, again... <laughs> Talking about uh, Jabba the Hutt, that's, I mean, everyone knows who Jabba the Hutt is. That's like a, he's like a pop culture that, I mean, you, you know, even if they don't know, like, 
anything else about him, they know like, oh, that's that's <laughs> that, that's, that's yes. John Hutt. They know yes. what his name is and stuff. They and they get the the joke in Spaceballs, you know, when he's Pizza the Hut and stuff. So <laughs> it's it's just that's all it is, man. It's quintessential Star Wars. Brad, what do you think? I will say this: this movie is particularly very close to my heart because I know many many Bothans died to bring us this movie. And oh. there's <laughs> so much rip. that happens. You get the classic space battle sequence. You get the good versus evil, Luke versus the Emperor. Uh, you get some more on on the Force itself with that conversation right in the beginning with Yoda, which I think is one of the most important conversations of the whole movie. Yes. And, and later on mm-hmm. with Obi-Wan. So you get those moments of mentorship in this film, but also the fact that Luke is still grappling with the fact that Darth Vader is his father, even after three years. And and what's more, what's more close to Star Wars than uh, trying to understand your family or like your place in the galaxy? And that's something Luke is still struggling with two movies later, and I think still doesn't fully know by the end of this movie. But we're along with him for that journey, and we're along with him as he still realizes, you know, there's good in his father. There's always still been that 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 hope in there. And I think hope is the the key word in star Wars. And it's definitely prominent in this film, you know, the hope that his father will come back. There's still some good in him that Anakin Skywalker is not truly gone, even though Obi-Wan's telling him opposite, you know, he's more machine than man. Don't even bother trying. You have to kill him. But Luke persists in the, in the face of, of those opinions and proves everybody wrong. And he, he proves to his later, his later point that no one's ever really gone. And I think that's where that idea originates is in this movie, which, you know, once the rise of Skywalker happens and Ben Demption happens, that will be the encompassing idea of the saga. And it started here. Some good statements. Yes. Bring it in. No, um, uh, you bring up a good point too. And in my mind immediately went to like the, in the situations that happened, this movie probably have the greatest implication of the sequel trilogy. Like the, the themes mentioned with, you know, there's still good in him, um, especially no one's really gone. And and having Palpatine's death be in this movie, then to have him only return in The Rise of Skywalker is just something that's so exciting. And hopefully looking back on these episodes of the Bombad Buildup, bringing up Palpatine, all of it will be uh, very um, fruitful, I guess you can say, to the listener of the past who wants to dive back into our old stuff. And Brad, that's... It is one of these movies that that um, kind of does encompass a lot of the feeling of Star Wars and and the Force and what we should know about each particular topic. That's great, man. Um, but boys, are you ready? We're about to dive into it. Let's talk about this a meaty movie. Are you are you down? Are we about to fix to fix to make this happen? Let's do it, man. Let's get into it. I'm ready. Diving into it like the pit of Carcoon. Oh, 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 oh snap! Here we go. Awesome. Okay, so the main thing I want to bring up is where are we in this chapter? What is the state of the galaxy? So usually I have something written, but it simply stated the galaxy still is at war. We still have a Star War occurring, um, and we are um, – the rebels are apparently still on the run. Han Solo is still in Jabba's palace. We are kind of thrown, in, thrown into this movie just like every other Star Wars movie. It's It's – a classic opening to a Star Wars movie with this Death Star flying overhead. And then it's it's almost very similar to A New Hope in regards to how it's framed and shot. But uh, you see the Death Star too. You see this half-built Death Star. Now, before we go any further, 
Um, I was a little kid watching these, and they had been out for years already. Um, did anyone have any misconceptions about the Death Star Two? Like, I, I, I have a, I had a lot as a kid, but I, I guess I didn't pick up on the lines that it was under construction and that this was a new Death Star. But as a kid, I thought it was the old Death Star just blown apart, like by like when it exploded, it was like a chunk <laughs> of it exploded. And they just have the other part left over. <laughs> I didn't know. What about y'all? I had no idea. I mean, I think I always got that it was uh, a second one. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know if anyone had any misconceptions that when it came out. Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it would be funny, though, if it was like there's, they just like, well, we found this, this, this half. <laughs> you know, just start, like, working on this, you know? Uh, yeah. I don't know. Brett, what about you, man? Yeah, I'm in that boat, too. I will say, though, what I find very interesting when you think about just movie criticism nowadays, especially <laughs> at that time, I don't know what the reviews were like, again, with there being a second Death Star and and the empire trying to do that whole thing again but i would tell you this this day and age if they came out and they had a second death star this movie would get shredded they'd be like why are you building a second death star it's so stupid like come on guys really and i'm trying to think of where they joke about that in in some of the other films or um like material like robot chicken and, and whatnot but um, it's just it's just pretty funny that they they thought it was a good idea to build a second one, and they even reference it in the Force Awakens with Star Killer Base later on. It's just this whole running gag of like, okay, it's bigger, sure. Uh, yeah, and I know right. this Death Star was bigger when they showed it on Dakar in that movie, uh, pretty sizably bigger, I think. Actually, it was like it I don't is. know the exact comparison, but it's like almost four or five times the size. It's it's pretty yeah, big, it's even more than that, I think. Bigger. Yeah, like yeah. ten times. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I got the conception that it was a new one, but, uh, we knew it was going down, uh, especially half finished <laughs> with their <laughs> basic, like structural integrity exposed to the, the rebel Alliance. It's a little right. bit of a flaw. They just had like a bunch of that, like plastic that people who were doing construction put up, you know, just like on the edges there in hallways, right. and, you know, like, you gotta watch out guys. Just don't go to, don't go to corridor C. Okay. <laughs> you just um, open it and get sucked in the space. Oh. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I don't know. I don't know what it is about, uh, death star two. I just, the, because it's, it's funny because it's just, it's just unfinished. It's like a half built like building or something, you know, uh, but it, why does it look to me? At least it looks cool. Like it looks cooler than the first one, I guess because it's got a little more character or something, you know, it's like a little, like, since it is like a, the size of a small moon, it's like a different phase of that moon or something almost. But that's a good know. point. About, it's just something about it that's always like I, I've always kind of liked the weird like jaggedness of it and stuff more yeah. than the perfect spherical. It feels more lived in when it's less of a sphere. But so. I mean, you bring up a good point because this could somewhat, in its own yeah. weird right, symbolize the the empire's. Uh, I guess not fallen, but like it's on the brink of being over. Like, you know, like they don't have enough resources to finish building it. They're rushing it. Obviously, Moff Gerard Gerard has a lot of anxiety, which will come in later um, and actually be cut later, too, from the movie. Um, But uh, yeah, no, I, I think I think it's kind of more symbolic that it's not finished and that this war is really taking a toll on both sides and the Empire can't even get their stuff together, you know, but um. We get a shot right. of an Imperial shuttle kind of coming down. I love that design. That was that's still to me as a kid. Like I wish I had my Lego from whatever year, like two thousand two, when it came out. I loved that design, <laughs> even as a little kid. 
Um, but we meet a character, Moff Jer Gerard, and and I think Jerry and I can both agree he's probably our favorite Imperial officer. At least I know he's mine. What about you, Brad? Gerard is he? He so he's the one right in the beginning. You said yes. Yeah. Ooh, double alert. Yeah. He is. Yeah, he's he's a little scaredy cat, honestly. He just, yeah. I don't think he was expecting he, Vader, and he definitely was not expecting the Emperor. No. I, I feel I get the impression he's kind of the guy that's like thought he had a lot more. He he thinks he has a lot more time. He likes to probably mm-hmm. plan things out very strategically. He doesn't like to rush things, and to have all this happen at once is very overwhelming for him. I feel like he's the anxious type for sure. And uh, I do I do enjoy him. I th- I think my. I would say he's probably my favorite in the film. He's always one that kind of stuck out to me, that whole conversation when I was watching this movie as a kid. I just always enjoyed the dynamic between those two when he first got there. And I was like, yeah. ooh, I feel bad for this guy. I feel like he's in the wrong place at the wrong time right now, honestly. Like, he was just enjoying his Corellian farming at one point in his life, and then he just got swept into this war, and now he's facing Darth Vader. And he's like, I just want to go home and eat my beets. You know? I don't know. I, I, I relate to him a little bit. Yeah, no, Jerry is great. I wrote in there. I, I wrote in there that I wanted more of him. But uh, if I'm being honest, Scotty, my my favorite Imperial officer right now. Um, I've been watching through the Freemaker Adventures with my two year old, and uh, there is someone on there who's like running Kashyyyk or whatever, and he like he tries so hard. He, he's like trying to make sure nothing ever happens where he's at, so he doesn't have to ever do anything. <laughs> and it's it's a very I don't know like that's and that's very non-canon, but I just loved that it was like an Imperial officer who was like, wait, no, we shouldn't make a, any big a big deal about this because then that means something's going on. And, and anyway. <laughs> Uh, but no, uh, besides all that, that's, that's basically Jared Gerard too. So, well, isn't, uh, isn't he the villain in, um, and, uh, oh, give me one second. Um, last crusade, if I'm not mistaken. No, that is, uh, that's general Veers. In, oh in, wait, yeah. Is it Veers? Yeah. 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 Oh. I, I mean, this guy's in something too. I just can't quite place it right now so you guys listening uh, if you want to tweet at us on tuesday and uh, tell us how black we are not to recognize we're fake fans clearly clearly uh massive uh character actor uh but anyway uh no dude i, I don't know just that whole dynamic was really cool and and that deleted scene that we'll probably talk about later or we can talk about right now just how cool it would have been to if you had left that in there he would have been a little less cowardly maybe yeah and a little more like this guy just it's a guy with a conscience within the empire which would have been real interesting yeah i wish we had saw that that would have been yeah it would have been kind of like a little more what we've gotten today in the new canon exactly aftermath and mandalorian and such totally um yeah, no, I, I, I really have always liked one thing, too. I like how Vader is super shiny in this scene. Like, the second he steps off and that steam goes away, <laughs> yes. and he's, like, he glossy. Like, he legitimately, <laughs> his suit had just got buffed by some stormtrooper, like, on the way. Like, made me look good. And when he walks on this thing, it's, like, <laughs> like all the lights are, like, boom, right off of him. He looks amazing on that dark suit. Um, but yeah. I wrote the notes how Vader's dialogue right here makes the pal- makes Palpatine, I guess the Emperor, as we know him, one badass dude. Like he's like he will not be pleased. He is he is, I mean, mm. he is coming here. He will be here soon. Like it's it's very much like 
if someone from corporate was coming to your office or your business, you're like, oh, God, uh, we got to, like, clean up the store. We got to, like, you know, <laughs> I, I, I like yeah. that aspect. Even even simply the line of Vader's where he goes, like, the Emperor is not as forgiving as I am, which is hilarious, <laughs> hilariously yeah. scary when you think about and the Empire Strikes Back choking out just, like, any Imperial <laughs> officer breathes the wrong way, you know? Like, He's going to force... Right. You gotta, like you gotta let Vader be able to get like two inches from your face and not flinch. And you'll be, <laughs> that's what you gotta be with, with, with Vader. <laughs> the Emperor, it's no dice, man. It's, there's nothing you can do. So, yeah, no, um, crazy. Jerry, you wrote in here about Palps venturing out of the Imperial Palace. I think it's a very interesting statement because Palps really didn't need to be on the Death Star to do this whole sequence. And and I want right. to see why. Why did you? Why do you think that? Why do you think he's trying to get to Luke? Really? Well, I don't know. I think we were kind of talking about this uh, last week with John about how, you know, the, with the whole rule of two thing, you wonder, like, why, did, why were they trying to turn uh, Luke to their side? Either, like, Vader was trying to become the master or Palpatine was trying to get a new apprentice. But, you know, you also have all of the instances in the Clone Wars where Palpatine's like, yeah, okay, Dooku, why don't you go ahead and take in that Asajj Ventress? She's a nice kid. Nah. And, right, let's, let's train this droid, this, this cyborg, how to use lightsabers and, and all that. I mean, yes, it's the rule of two, but they kind of play with it. Um, but I, you know, when I wrote this, it was just kind of interesting to me because in new canon, you have a lot of instances where, like, Palpatine never leaves the Imperial Palace uh, and if he does, it's, like, very secret, and, and no one knows but Vader, and he's usually going somewhere with Vader. Um, so it's just interesting to see him, I'm going to make a big show out of this and come here. Very, well, very Palpatine, very uh, very ballsy, yeah. very uh, self-assured, you know? Like, I'm going to do this, but it's of course it, it is all uh, to draw Luke out into, I think his it's his final... Uh, attempts to uh, get rid of the nuisance or gain a new power yeah. with him, yeah, uh, joining their side. So I don't know, but it's just I thought it was just interesting uh, with what we've got in new canon about him being a recluse. So it just kind of was like, wow, okay, he really is trying to pull out all the stops with this one. Good point. I didn't think about that, um, Brad. Any statement on on Palpatine being kind of hyped up and and he was I guess he was seeing the Empire Strikes Back kind of, but like. To really see him be such a frail old guy, kind of a, in its own weird right, parallels Yoda and Yoda being such a small mm-hmm. and frail person. I think it's kind of cool. These masters we we've heard so much about are actually somewhat, you know, feeble old people, which is very much a theme in Star Wars. But um, what do you think, Brad? What I gotta say is that does this dude moisturize at all? I mean, you have twenty five years nearly of, of separation between when you get your your face pruned off by yes. force lightning, and now you're telling me there's no imperial technology whatsoever that could have had any sort of construction constructive surgery on that. Like, come on, dude. I know we all know Palpatine's going after Luke because he likes. The, the young, powerful yes. Jedi, the wiser and younger and mm-hmm. far more powerful, as he says in the Revenge of the Sith. That's why he goes after Anakin versus an apprentice like Dooku. 
the dude likes this feeling of of like vitality and youth and i think that's why he's ultimately going to go after ray and Good and point, um you know throw ben to the side because you know ben's the past ben is the skywalker he's done with the skywalkers so Ooh. um i just find it interesting that he's he's let himself kind of loose for this long you know I, you, you would have thought that he would want to look more uh like younger and kind of <laughs> yeah. more uh kept uh, kept up with his looks a little bit but um but yeah no he's he's sketchy he's scary i don't like him uh you know i think the fact that he's coming to the death star definitely means that he feels his his uh the people that answer to him can't get the job done especially vader yes and i think that's why vader is probably a little frightened um he's you know when yeah. he first gets there he's like very like kneeling he's not talking too much uh, and you know, the emperor's bossing him around. So he's, he's lost a little bit of faith in his apprentice. And I think he's at the point now where he's like, you know what? I'm just going to get rid of you and bring in Luke Skywalker. It's very important that you bring him to me. Like you do not yeah. interact with him or do anything with him when he's on Endor. You just bring him right here. I don't want Great you point. messing with this potential idea that I have. Well, this is kind of funny. One, one thing I want to bring up too, this movie does something that's very different. We actually brought up. And Empire Strikes Back episode with John, uh, we brought up how it takes 20 minutes, 24 minutes before we cut back to the Empire. This movie is a whopping 34 minutes till we even cut back to the Empire and then Palp's <coughs> arrival. So everything that happens right oh. here literally is all sequential. We um, we go to Tatooine and we see this beautiful shot of Jabba's palace from very far away. And um, real quick, there's a lot of things that we can bring up that is both behind the scenes and both about the actual story of this movie. I will say R2-D2 has the best noises in this movie. I think they like, I don't know (laughs) what they did. I don't know what Ben Burt was like, let's just add a whole library. (laughs) But most of the ones you hear from, from, you know, all of the Star Wars video games and everything behind it all come from this movie. And like the... I love that little like I, this movie is so good for yep. that. Yeah, <laughs> and we get and we get you know a lot more three PO and R two, which we've really been missing out on in regards to the sequel trilogy, and even in the prequels we got a good bit of it too. But um, I, I will say I love seeing three PO again, and I and I, I know everyone in this room is very excited to see more of him in the Rise of Skywalker. But um, yeah, no, I love that. Oh, I love that opening sequence when they go up to the door. Uh. Does anyone have any comments to make about the the YouTube debris, the little door, the door, the ring doorbell? <laughs> I couldn't remember what to call those things because it's like it's like a big serial number or something. But those, I don't know. It's always been such a. Uh, I think that originally like scared me. Everything in Star Wars scared me when I was like first watching it when I was a little kid. So I was a little uh, uh, scaredy cat, I guess. But like this thing was just like, what is this? An eyeball that yeah. like, is like a door. Like the doorman or something. So I, don't <laughs> know. I love that they brought that back in Mando, though. Yeah. Not to get into too many spoilers and stuff for our UK uh, listeners and, and all you guys who haven't got to see it yet. But uh, I don't know. It's just kind of a, a, an interesting thing that we've never seen before. That I I'm kind of glad they're reusing it. So yeah, yeah, same look. Yeah, what that thing you, always Brad? annoyed the hell out of me as a kid. I was yeah. just like, just rip that thing off the wall. Come on. So um, <laughs> I, I was I've been happy recently, but. That's all I'll say on that. But uh, yeah, no, it was, it was always Jabba's palace as a kid is very like strange and odd, I think, because yeah. you're just 
there's so much happening in your imagination and there's like all these different creatures more so than we've ever seen in this trilogy up until this point. I mean, you got, you got Boba Fett, you got Jabba, Bib Fortuna, the Gamorrean yeah. guards, then you got, you know, Max Rebo, who that guy definitely slaps, you know, like he is, yeah. he's having a grand old time. He better have gotten off that sail barge is all I will say. But there's just so much happening. And as a kid, you're like, wow, this is kind of strange. I don't know this what's happening weird. here, but it's also so sinister at the same time, because I mean, this is like vile scum and villainy. It's, uh, you know they got twilight dancers here they're probably there under under duress and uh you got people being kept in carbonite prisoners droids being destroyed i mean there's a lot of death stuff that's happening here but Mm -hmm. at the same time it's opening up your imagination to the the possibilities of this kind of underworld it does and and what the first weird character we really get introduced to besides the gamorian guard is my favorite literally my favorite (laughs) secondary character will always be been fortuna and it's just the way he like caresses r2d2's head is just so creepy (laughs) and he's like and he's like you know just like whispering and it's like oh and his little neck giblets i'm like this is weird i was gonna bring that up if you weren't going to what is up they make me so uncomfortable i I don't know well i i'm looking at my bit for tuna and these are just my flesh tags and they they have it on the funko pop and you know what Bib Fortuna is oh, the only Funko Pop from what I've seen that has a smile and teeth. So I like I like that Funko Pop. I, I wish all Funko Cops had teeth, but Bib Fortuna has this creepy sharp teeth in his, and I just love <laughs> his red eyes. No, his pink eyes and his like fleshy. His skin is just so human fleshy. It's weird. I love it. I think it's a great character. <laughs> Let's just say he's not the most, maybe not the most handsome. Uh, no. Male. Like, uh, the, I was watching this with uh, I'm trying to remember which I had both of my brother-in-laws in town uh, for thing, oh, nice. uh, this Thanksgiving and uh, we were watching bits and pieces of this and uh, I think it was my, my brother-in-law my, my wife's brother he was like uh, asking me all these kind of questions and stuff because he likes to ask questions about Star Wars to me and he goes oh, so those are like uh, Twi'leks, right? He's like, yeah. And I said, and Bib Fortuna is actually a male Twi'lek. And he's like, what? Are you <laughs> they look so different. His head is so bulbous. Oh, and he's got so weird, like, giblet thingies. And, like, uh, yeah. Um, it's, it's quite, he's quite something to behold. So, Scotty, you guys, it's, it's a match made in heaven, buddy. They go, have fun. Uh, no, I love when Jabba just throws him to the side. He's like, "You're under a Jedi mind trick, you numb nut." Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> off with you. <laughs> well, uh, I don't. Great. I just like that character, and you can see him throughout the Clone Wars a little bit, and you definitely see him in uh in um, the Phantom Menace. But uh, one thing I want to bring up that no one, I don't think anyone else has brought that up. Maybe I've haven't listened to enough podcasts, but the Return of the Jedi uh, sequence is uh um. I'm, I'm sorry, the sequence itself. Whenever we first get introduced to Jabba, there's this weird Jabba Mozart music that's played. I don't know if y'all picked up on that. It's very bizarre. Mm-hmm. It's like... It's this, it's a yes. lot of flashy piano, and he's sitting there like... They it's, all look uh, stoned. I mean, they all look like <laughs> really big. Well, that is a, it's a, he has a hookah lounge. We know this. It's in yes. Battlefront. Yes. Um, that... 
is on the special edition uh, CD, like soundtracks they released. Uh, I think oh, is when it really? The DVDs were first, when it was first released on DVD, and uh, it's listed as oh, wow. Jabba's Rope Recital. Oh wow! I did not know so that. So Jabba, Jabba was a man of class. Yes, uh, he was clearly. Like, Jabba, you're a wonderful human being. So there you go. Yeah. Oh, I hate that line. Don't even bring it up. Um, <laughs> I, I think in this in these scenes in particular, this is probably one of the more reflective uh, Star Wars movies. And Brad, did you have anything you want to say about that in particular, or anything in regards yeah. to it being very eighties looking? And feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's, I think he's got a good playlist, I would say, I, yeah. maybe not for the parties <laughs> I would host, I would let him take a hold of the Spotify playlist, but the guy's got some style, he he's got, I mean, he's style. literally built himself a pedestal to sit on because he is so large, and he just doesn't want to move, and he's eating toads, I mean, the dude, the dude is as extra as they come. Oh, that's and awesome. uh, I mean, he's literally has a pit that he can just open a door and throw people down into <laughs> if he's upset in any possible way. <laughs> like extra. That's all I can say about Jabba the Hutt. I, I have he, I have strong feelings about him. He's repulses me. I remember as a kid, the, the one thing that I was always just the most repulsed by was when his tongue sticks out, which this oh. is getting a little ahead of ourselves here, but um, <laughs> with like Leia, when she gets taken and before she gets put in the bikini and he sticks his tongue out and three people's like, oh, I can't bear the watch. That always yeah. just grossed me out as a kid. I was like, nope, <laughs> I do not like right. Java. <laughs> he yeah. constantly has mucus or whatever. Oh. Right. Mouth. I mean, it's like, yeah, isn't that please. what Bib's for? Is he's like, I mean, his name is literally Bib. Like, you're supposed to be wiping this dude's <laughs> mouth to get the drool off of him. It's disgusting. Oh. <laughs> He's, like, standing just off camera with, like, a, a little napkin. He's dabbing <laughs> the of his lips oh, constantly. God. <laughs> uh, that's the, the Star Wars story we always wanted. The Disney Plus. Come on, get on it. So I think we're going to see Jabba Bib show happen. up in, in some form, hopefully in a, a Make Solo 2 Happen uh, scenario. Um... But no, with, with, hopefully Brad will, will watch it. Um, <laughs> I have a feeling <laughs> that if they re- really recreate a puppet form of it, it'd be incredible. But um, yeah. no, I, I one thing I want to bring up, it kind of feels like this whole Jabba Palace thing feels like a scene from the Clone Wars. Like all of it. The plot is very bizarre. It's like, we're going to drop R2 and 3PO off. Lando's already there. Chewie's going to get dropped off. Leia's going to get dropped off. Han's already there. <laughs> Luke's going to save the day. Not quite happened. You know, and then like, it's just, it's a very weird sequence that I think someone, who was it? Brian Young? Maybe someone like last year, like, this actually makes no sense if you think about it. Like, what was the B plan? What was the A plan? Like, what was the, what was really supposed to happen? <laughs> like, none of this seems like a plan. Like, they get trapped almost with a die. Like, it's, I don't know. Um, I'm excited anyway. for the new Star Wars comic series by Charles Soule. That's going to explore oh, between yeah. Empire and Return of the Jedi. I want to oh, see what wow. that planning process looks like. <laughs> There's a whole comic Luke's series. like, okay, guys, listen up. You, the droids are going to go in there. We're going to sell them to Jabba. Leia, you're going to go undercover as a bounty hunter. Lando, you're going to get a job there. You're just going to go in and have an interview, and you're going to get hired right away. Like, you're good. Uh, and then Chewbacca, you're going to be a prisoner. It's going to be great, guys. And, and then I'm not even going to have my lightsaber. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's a very Jedi plan. I always liked that when uh, 
Joseph Scrimshaw of Force Center just talked about how it's the most Jedi of Jedi plans because it's like, okay, we're going to... Uh, what's it? His, his thing is uh, a Jedi's code of conduct is, okay, I'm going to tell you to stop. If you don't stop, I'm going to uh, take a limb <laughs> or take a <laughs> Take a limb, and then the head. You know, it's like you, you, it's a, a little bit of a ramp up that the Jedi have to do. Like that. So, um, maybe Luke is just really trying to, to capture that inner Jedi spirit, but also he's probably just really bad at planning. He yeah. seems to look really cool uh, jumping around on the sail barge. So. That, that is definitely uh, a part of this, and uh, I, I like how in this sequence in particular, 3 was like, wait, what? That's not the message. And, of course... It leads into um, the sequence where they both go through, I guess, some sort of a reconditioning or some sort of uh, sequence where they are assigned jobs. And I like the droid that's in charge of the other droids. It's kind of interesting. It's a uh, he's such an evil looking dude. And he's like, you all you are a feisty little one. I love that. I think it's great. Um, droid rights, you know, <laughs> it does not really apply here, honestly. Um, but yeah, right, yeah. Well, you said here you, know, you get droids in charge of droids, so it's 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 there a little bit, but it's yeah, yeah it's kind of weird if you think about it, like a, a droid uh, torture chamber, like the, the little guy, the poor little gonk droid, like, oh, getting it's his feet awful. burned, walk in. It's like, oh, I didn't think you could feel that, but apparently you can. So, yeah. uh, very sorry. Very sorry, sir. Classic Star Wars there. Uh, Brad, <laughs> any thoughts on that in particular? Yeah. Um, you're talking in regards to the droids' rights? Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that's something yeah. that's actually not really talked about in central canon, but in the areas around canon and L3 in particular, it is kind of brought up now. It's funny looking yeah. back at it now. Yeah. And even it's explored a little bit in last shot, I think too, the Daniel Jose older novel. And that's, mm-hmm. that's yeah, post yeah, return of the Jedi as well with Lando and, and, and Han Solo. Mm-hmm. So this is definitely an idea that's been, that's been kind of continued on throughout the canon. And I do like that it is brought up because you know, when you think about it, it is pretty sad if the droids only purpose is to serve like beings, but at the same time, you know, the droids do have feelings, even though they very, they're very technical and yes. they're very like, you know, mathematical and analytical. They, they still have some sort of emotion and attachment. And I think there's definitely a point to where you can completely subdue that in a droid. I mean, I look at a droid like K2SO and, there are a lot oh, of totally. KX series droids that are very formal. Like we see one in Jedi Fallen Order that is like completely just like, you know, you're past enemy lines. You have to be apprehended, blah, 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 blah. You know, and they have certain programming that they align to. But like, you know, K2SO is able to go away from that programming and have personality and have spunk. So um, it is very sad to, to watch these droids get uh, get demolitioned, especially the gonk droid. I mean, we all love a good gonk droid. So to watch the little dude's feet get burned off. Uh, just ruins me every it's time, brutal. honestly. Sad. <laughs> this movie has little moments like this in the Ewok scene later that you're kind of like, oh, oh, and this is actually that's I never thought about it. I'm sorry, I just had a realization. Like this movie has several, like four or five small moments at each like pivotal scene in the movie of like something you're kind of like that's kind of sad. Like the Gong Droid's feet, um, the the uh, the Rancor owner, he him crying. Uh, the yeah. Ewok, <laughs> the Ewok getting killed. And the other that's my, that's like, the, no. the one that gets that's, me. 
That's the Brutal. But uh, I love that George threw those kind of weird things in. Um, then we get, oh, God, Jerry, you can talk about this next sequence. Uh, well, I'm assuming the way it's written in the notes that it's uh, supposed to be read like this. Freaking Jedi rocks! All right. Um, yeah, okay, so we've got uh, the whole dance sequence, and really all this really leads to is uh, poor Ula. Uh, speaking oh. of going, oh, that's sad. Oh. Uh, Another sad part. I guess you're right. But, but uh, you know, yeah, there, there's a little song that a lot of people... Uh, really don't care for called Jedi Rocks uh, I don't really mind it's like Dave Matthews band in space can I so. tell you how I learned about it it is what it is do you mind look I, I gotta tell Brad no, go ahead. Brad I never had watched the DVD versions ever or the Blu-ray versions ever I <laughs> oh, only no. watched the VHS THX versions okay so here I am I had heard Jedi Rocks on the 2005 Battlefront 2 when you do the uh, what mission is it called? Uh, when you play on Tatooine, most uh, Isley, and you can play as With all, all the heroes, heroes and stuff, and they play Jedi yeah. Rocks. And in 2005, in third grade, I was like, This slaps! Like, this is amazing! Oh, I never no. heard this song before. Oh, no. And of course, when I grow into my high school days, I discover Jedi Rocks on YouTube, and I'm like, This is awful. I hope I never have to sit through a through this and whenever I watch Star Wars because I only have the VHSs. And then, then again, I, I am a I am a weird purist. I have the Harmony Despecialized versions as well that I'm very proud of and watch. But I had to watch Disney Plus version. Here it is. And the guy's spit flying out of his mouth <laughs> and the Ula like... Gotta love that Jelly man. And then the three... Catman. The, the Rodian and the, the the other two lady singers are all like I, it, unbelievable. It's un, unbelievable. I, I was I wasn't even mad. I was just like, why? When when did Star just Wars date? This is this is more Disney than anything Disney has done to Star right. Wars. Like, oh my, my god, friend, I know. My friend, that was that was there in good old nineteen and ninety seven. So. It's that's so why I laugh when Disney's people are like, we need Star to go Wars, back I'll... to the old Star Wars. I'm like, yeah. that's your old <laughs> Star Wars? Exactly. McClunky is exactly the spirit of Star Wars. <laughs> it oh is. my God. It is. J.J. <laughs> like, um, Abrams I... would never pull a stunt like that. I'm sorry. Like, I mean, as much as I love <laughs> the creator and the maker, George Lucas, he has some questionable additions on the special edition, or a special trilogy. And I know like, I know what he was going for. I know he wanted Me to play too. in the, the the sandbox of out like whatever kitty. he could, but mm-hmm. you know, it's just oh god, this is the kind of thing that just lowers <laughs> Return of the Jedi slowly on my list every time oh. I watch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, okay, I'll say it. I'll say it. Yeah, uh, Lappy Neck definitely slaps. I like I like me some Lappy <laughs> Neck. Um, I feel like I am the only freaking person who does not hate Jedi Rocks. <laughs> you probably don't. It's because I, you I, look I, like that guy. I don't hate it. I just, you, I'm just like, I don't know. That was the that was the version I saw. I get, maybe it's because it's the, the first version I saw on the big screen. That might be uh, it. I, I don't know. That. It's, I, it, it's also probably because I'm an annoying person, and so that it doesn't really get. <laughs> So, you know, well, it's, it's an effective. It just, like, hits, like, a force field and then slides right off, so. One of the first tweets I ever put out making fun of Jerry was the one of the guy singing Jedi <laughs> Rocks. And I said, oh, my God, I now know why Jerry likes the special editions. And it looks, this guy, this alien, looks just like Jerry to me. 
is the way he's... Uh, oh, thank you. I'll uh, take that as a, as, as a compliment, the big of course. Yeah, that means you're nose. canon. I, yeah, I, I that's mean, a good compliment. Big flat nose. <laughs> no, um, I like... Uh, I like um, sliced noodles rolling this sequence as well with her <laughs> mouth. Like, it's, I don't know. I, I know that George. Don't Mc- tell me you never wanted to look straight down her tube mouth. I mean, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, so that was always my dream. Yeah, man. It's like, I wonder what the inside of her, her mouth looks like. <laughs> Spare myself and an image. Just for good measure, here's Jao Yaza, and here's a little turtle guy playing the harmonica, the space harmonica. Okay, dude, that is. Oh, it's How so. Much, I just love Star Wars weird, like weird. Me Star too. Wars. I do. There's nothing more <laughs> weird than friggin' Jedi rocks, man. It's like, hold on, hold on. We gotta take a, we gotta take a short break in this here uh, uh, Star Wars movie to do a uh, Muppets musical number. So uh, here we go, and, and it's not even Muppets; it's more of a Pixar number, of course. But I. Uh, it, the effects could be the effects could be updated a little bit, but they they held up a little bit for me on the the Blu-ray, especially because they made the colorization look like the old VHS. Yeah, yeah, they have. It was a little, it was a little less uh, shocking, uh, jarring. I don't know. I, yeah, well, yeah. What can I say? Because I like it so. Well, yeah. <laughs> one thing I want to bring up too is I don't. The one thing I don't like about it is how like the harmonica man starts a song and the singer's like, nah, nah, nah. And I'm like, oh, probably better than what you're about to play. But, uh, you, you never heard that? You never had done that, you know, in a venue? It's like, oh, hey, a hey. Kanye West moment, That's honestly. It. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to let you finish, but hear my song first. <laughs> it's, uh, it is kind of like. Max Rebo had the best song of all time. He did. It is like. Max it is Rebo like, slaps. <laughs> <laughs> it, I mean, why did why did they just get Figure and Dan to go do that set? But any, uh, well, anyway, I will. Well, but real quick, before before we're off of the band, let's go to our good boy Max Rebo. Um, feet or no feet? Because apparently that's a debate these days. Does Max Rebo have feet? I had like a plush. Actor, I had a plush of him or, with or feet. Or does he not? I had a plush with him with feet. Yes, he has feet. Well, see, I did too. But apparently, the the character. I don't know where it was. It's like some older people are like, no, no, no. He just had the hand. He was playing with his feet. And that was the thing. Like what? He was sitting on top like a pad. I know. I never knew this was a controversy until like this year. He had holes in his fingers. I That's, yeah, like the little suction cup stuff. Yes. I, I say, I, I just, I like the thought of him with feet. I don't think it looks... Like what is he, Saboba? Like walking around <laughs> feet in a tree. He he would look like he would literally look like one of those Muppets you know, those phenomena. Do 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 yeah, you know? See, looking um, at the Lego action figure of Max Rebo, it shows he has feet. Yeah. Right. You know? Oh uh, yeah, they, well see, and there's a lot of action figures where he does, yeah. but I what I was listening to a podcast or something or and they were like no, no, he didn't have feet back in the day, like the puppet or uh, whatever. Anyway, uh, I think we are all on team, firmly in the, the team feet here. Yeah. Max Rebo has feet. If you guys take anything away from this episode, it, it needs to be that, that Max Rebo does have feet. That's the title of this episode. That, oh, my gosh. Can that be the title of this episode? I know it's the Bombay Buildup. Can we have, like, a hyphen or something? I will, like? I will make sure the first statement said in the description is, Max Rebo has feet. I'm running it down right now. I am starting the hashtag. Whenever I'm promoting this episode, guys, today we are. We I'm starting the hashtag. Max Rebo has feet. <laughs> um, speaking Join of me. 
Jeremy. Speaking of feet, um, <laughs> this is a very terrible transition. <laughs> Leia walks into <laughs> Jabba's area, and uh, we um, <laughs> we uh, she has Chewbacca around her her little hand, and she's actually not Leia; she's whoosh. And um, I love the solo. Boosh, boosh. I love the solo tie-in now. I think it's amazing with the thermal detonator. You know, and how Han told her the story and having it actually work in this movie is pretty awesome. With the he's holding a thermal detonator, and then the Odara, Odara. It's just it's so weird. It's so <laughs> Star Wars though, and um, yeah, no, I re- I really dug it, and uh, it it's kind of cool that you know we see. Han and Carbonite and everything, too, but... Yeah. Yeah. What'd you want to say, Brad? Thinking of Lady Proxima. <laughs> That's not a thermal <laughs> detonator. That's a rock, and you just made a clicking noise with your mouth. <laughs> Can we get another special edition where, like, Lady Proxima is just kind of hanging out in the back, like, with, like, sunscreen over her face or something? <laughs> She's got, like, an umbrella and goggles on, you know, yeah. UV, UV 150. Just have her, like, like uh, heckling from the back. Don't believe it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a trap. Bad dad done that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I like how this is, like, a mystery character in this sequence, when it's really not the case. Um, later, of course. Um, and the reveal of Lando is pretty amazing in this scene as well. If I'm not mistaken, it's during the scene, right? It's kind of tongue in cheek. Yeah, it's, it's like after they're taking uh, uh, Chewbacca yeah. to, uh, to the, the dungeon. Also, uh-huh. shout out to Solo Star Wars Story for showing that that was a costume. A skiff guard. Falcon or something. Yeah. Uh, that, I don't know. It was just such a cool little, like, I freaked out whenever I was watching. Oh, so. that was yeah. amazing. And Beckett was wearing Lando's disguise. Like, oh, my gosh. It was so cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that was probably one of my favorite callbacks to Solo as well, which explains a lot in terms of like how the plan got set up for this movie. It's like, okay, he had the outfit, so it was easier to apply right. for the job in yeah. that outfit rather than <laughs> Lando going in there, no disguise, being like, hey, can I work here? Right, right. Job was like, is, it, are, is that agree. you, Lando? No, it's not me. Hey, go, go grab one of the Tusk helmets from the back. <laughs> well, I like how unnecessary Lando's... When Lando leans into the shot and he like pulls down his mask to look at, I don't even know. It, it, yeah. it, it's it's very tongue in cheek. It's very much like we gotta show it to him. How are we gonna do it? And he like <laughs> looks in. He's like pulls his mask down, gives us very <laughs> kind of like off camera, like barely looking off camera. It's amazing. It's very space fantasy Saturday morning serial. But but also you're like you're like oh Lando's here too. It's kind of re- relieving, yeah. you know, like Chewbacca's here and he's in trouble but at least Lando's here um I I love this part I love the fact of after this it cuts outside Jabba's Jabba's castle good establishing shot but I even since I was a kid I love the uh the the creature that's like sitting outside kind of camouflage and he slings his tongue out and he eats that little critter that walks by and then he burps (laughs) I'm like that is so that is so George (laughs) this is pretty much Watching Return of the Jedi is like Circle. what what happened in the prequels later. You know what I mean? Like just like the the silliness can, of it. Can you imagine if there was this much belching in uh, in Star <laughs> movies? Though, you know, I mean, like sheesh, they're, they're like, this this is the most right. I mean, yeah. we got a fart in Phantom Menace, but besides, yeah, I haven't brought that up in a long time though. The fart joke in the Phantom Menace. So they will call back to you, uh, hardcore bombad listeners. So. <laughs> 
Yeah. Geeks and gamers would probably have like a four hour video about it. <laughs> you have belching in Star Wars. Kathleen Kennedy likes belching, <laughs> so they put it in the movie for their whatever agenda, their belching agenda. Their burping agenda. Oh, God, I can't they believe they it. To show that women can burp. And <laughs> it's not true. I know, my mom never did. Yeah, I, I'm really? looking forward to seeing what happens with Rise of Skywalker in terms of uh, silliness and just typical Star Wars. Like in the, terms of belching? Yeah, in terms of belching. Over, over, under, over under 50%, will we get a belch in Rise of Skywalker? One. We'll get one, and it's going to be from little uh, tiny dude. Um, what's his name? Uh, Frick. Yep. Babu Frick. Babu Frick. Babu Frick. Is it a burp? I was just thinking that would be who would belch. Of all the... Don't know why. You know what? We do. I'm going to go all in. I'm going to go all in. I'm going to say palps as soon as he comes in. That's how he's going to reveal himself. He's going to walk out from behind like a piece of rubble and go, hey, what's up, guys? <laughs> I'm back. I'm he's, back. He's going to be like, I've been holding that one in for 35 <laughs> years. Yeah, I've been really trying to be quiet over here, so I'm I, just going to let it off real quick. We kind of did get a moment like in Austin Powers or something. You know? Well, <laughs> we did kind of get the silliness like of the suka in the ep- second episode of The Mandalorian. That's pretty silly and disgusting, so... I mean, they're still holding oh, true. true. They're still holding true to that weirdness. But uh, one thing I wrote in my notes, I don't know if y'all agree, but the job of seeing this part where they're all sleeping together is like a giant brothel. I don't like it. They're all like, it's all. <laughs> it all looks very slimy, and they're all like, they're all sleeping on each other. Like the, you can look and you can see the. Um, oh God, who lives on uh, Moncala? The. Um, how do I know this when I'm watching the, Mando? The, uh, sorry, you're talking about the, uh, uh, not the Moncalas, but the, not the Moncalamari, but the, uh, uh wow. What's wrong with us? We know this. We're Star Wars fans. The Corrin. Yeah, the Corrin. The Corrin's yeah, like yeah, yeah. sleeping on a roadie and I'm like, this is weird. <laughs> like, they all just smoked a lot I of I don't know pot. if I would go to Brothel, but, but definitely giant, uh, uh, seedy, uh, slumber party for it sure. It feels humid. <laughs> like, I watch the scene and I feel, hu- I feel, yeah. it so feels we like. We do crime together. <laughs> <laughs> it just feels humid in that room. I just don't like it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you can, yeah, you can, you can, this it. is the only Star Wars movie that it, it could be in smell and vision and, oh. and it doesn't, you can just sense. The body odor that must be in that room for sure. So yeah, definitely. And uh, I like that Leia walks in and immediately makes noise. I think it's hilarious. I think that probably woke up. A <laughs> it's small, that darn helmet. It's well. One thing I will say is it maybe not as a kid, but like now that you think about it, do you think anyone was like, oh, that's totally Leia when they first watched it, or is this like a kind of a small reveal? I don't know. I think it might have been a very subtle reveal. <laughs> It's been so, yeah. It, it's hard whenever you, you think about Star Wars reveals like the original trilogy because it's. I feel like it's been a part of my life forever, but I feel yeah. like I didn't know. What about you? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I, it's hard for me to remember because I watched these as like a four year old, but I would say maybe for like the average moviegoer, I mean, if you've been waiting three years to see this movie, you might not make the connection right away. So I think it could have been like a good subtle reveal. Yeah. Um, you know, but to finally to finally get her to take off the helmet and be like, you know, somebody who loves you. Um, it would have really been funny if Han had said the wrong name. He's like, Kara? And he's just like, what? Oh okay, oh I'm going to leave. God. I'm going to leave now. Bye. <laughs> um, so luckily he was like, you know, at least conscious enough to say the right yeah. name because I'm sure the guy got around a little bit in, um, in uh, Solo 2. But um, that was a good touching moment. It to, was. To get that reunion when he gets out of out of Carbonite. The 
actual process of being removed from the carbonite always kind of weirded me out, you know, like his <laughs> mouth coming through and, and right. like the redness yeah, of everything. I was like, dude's getting sunburnt right now somehow. And then he Something. eventually he wasn't, but uh, that's what it looked like to me as a, as a kid at least. Yeah. I agree. It is funny that his lips, like, it almost is like his lips went first. I remember, uh, that's a great, <laughs> like, like, pull there, Brad, because I, that was kind of weird. It's just like, I don't know, his lips are just a little more like, it's almost like Leia was like, do the lips first. I want to make sure those are nice and, and yeah. before I get to them, you know. <laughs> and I want to know. George is like, faster and more intense. Huh? Yeah, no, 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 smack your lips harder. Okay. <laughs> good, good. A little more, good. let's get a little more smuts on them here. Yeah, good, good. It's good. I like good. that uh, that uh, Han is like cold and hot and sweaty and it's like he has flu-like <laughs> symptoms. You know, like he's like, I can't yeah. see. I can't see. Who are you? It's just. Well, what kind of flu do you get where you go blind? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's insane. It's crazy, isn't it? Like, yeah. Just the effects of carbonite, which is, it's kind of cool that they did because it, it is a little like, okay, but how long has that dude been in there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I don't know. No, um, I, I really, um, give me one second. Um, I really dug like how much this kind of feels like solo to me. It's just all about Han and, and how he kind of gets his tail saved again. Um, and I want one thing I want to say too, is after the sequence, we get really, uh, we really get introduced to like Han and, and Chewie meeting again. And it feels just like solo, you know, the, 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 the movie, I was at the short film. Uh, it feels just like solo. They're like in a jail cell. <laughs> They're reunited, and like I love how Chewie's like freaking out. It's almost opposite of what happens in Solo, really, if you think about it. But uh, it's kind of, it's kind of heartwarming. And um, one thing I want to say is I don't know if anyone ever brought it up, but like Leia's voice sounds a lot more like it does in the sequel trilogy in this movie. It's a little more raspy. And I don't know if it's from Carrie Fisher's abuse of, of drugs and alcohol. I really don't know. But her voice, like, transformed in the, over the three years between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. And it sounds a lot like it does in TFA and TLJ in this movie in particular. You know? Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, too, they're filming A New Hope, what, in 76? Yeah. So it's like another mm, six years exactly. almost when they're filming this one. So... Um, I think it just probably comes with age a yeah, little bit too. too. And, um, yeah, it, but I didn't think of that. But it does sound that yelling at Han Solo though. That, that <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, it, it's weird to think. That's a good point, Brad. That this <laughs> was almost half a decade or over half a decade uh, that yeah. they were making this thing. I don't know. It, it's weird to think that because we're we, they make them so uh, so quickly now. Yeah, you know. Time actually passed then, you know, now it's like, I'll yeah. never forget when, um, TOJ was in first in production, it was like the Force Awakens premiere happened in December and then by January they were filming TLJ, you know, it, it, it's just crazy. It is crazy. Um, but one thing I want to bring up too is of course, Leia ends up getting in the slave outfit and I really don't want to touch too much on that. Um, uh, it's, uh, I don't. I I don't know if it it upsets me now or if I think it's weird now, but it's definitely a reflection of the time. If I'm going to be at all honest with you, um, yeah. sexualization of of women, especially in movies of the '80s like Weird Science, this movie in particular, you know, um, there's there's a lot of a lot of things that really wouldn't happen in regards to our female heroes, but. 
Leia does it in such a and 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 she's beautiful, but she does it in such a way that it's not. Um, I don't know. It doesn't. It it. I never saw. I mean, it's definitely sexualized, but I never like was like, oh wow, look at all that. I guess I was just a kid, and you're like, oh, that's just this scene in the movie, you know. But I know for Carrie and the rest of her life, it was not easy, you know, going through her life hearing yeah. people bring it up to her, you know. Um, yeah, I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of the the slave outfit, yeah. especially just uh, with her even in like a New Hope when she would ask George like you know like why she can't wear like bra. a bra or mm-hmm. something underneath her outfit, and he's like, "There's no bras in space," like jokingly, and I'm like, "Okay, that's like you know like." Really? Yeah. So those kinds of things do definitely give me an eye roll, at least now. Yeah. But I'm glad we're kind of past that point in the, the Star Wars universe to not have to, like, resort to those kinds of, like, tropes. Well, um, right. Because our, our, our women are definitely, you know, front and center now. Yeah. And I don't want them to be, like, hypersexualized like that. You no, know? and I like that Carrie acknowledged it, which is a huge thing. Because she could right. have easily not acknowledged it. And that's that's her as a person, too. And, and I know, like, that's a beautiful thing about Carrie Fisher, like even when she had to give George's like whatever speech it was like for that award. And she's like, there's no broad in space. Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, up yours, George. By the end of it, it's like, that is so <laughs> Carrie Fisher. And it's just, I don't know. I, I'm even though, even though, you know, she was kind of, she had to like deal with those things in her time. Like she never seemed like the kind of person that was being like subject, subjugated. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like she was, she always like, found a way to, like, make light of it or just go, like... And she even, like, I remember... Was it uh, before or after filming Force, uh, Force Awakens, she was telling Daisy really like, just never let him put you in a metal bikini. Yeah. Or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, not that it... Not, again, not to say it was right, but just, like... I Man, I just miss Carrie, like, all the time because she... Yeah that she like just kind of dealt with those kind of things and talked about it. like she was supportive and like saying hey we need to move past this but she just kind of like uh, never let anything get her down no. and she just was like she just laughed she was like you know what yeah that happened and so now I'm gonna I like that. try to make things better for for the women to come after me and I would argue that she 100% did yeah totally so, and it 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 brings up a good point when people cosplay as it, you know, it, it, to me, it catches a lot of tension at celebration and stuff. They always have it every year, but it's, it's almost fun to see like a change on that, on that same exact theme. Like I saw someone had a Mickey mouse in the slave Leia or like a, you know, a guy in a slave Leia or like, you know, it, it, it's fun to see what people can do with, with, it's acknowledged that it is a silly thing. You know what I mean? It's it is definitely addressed now that it's something that's so right. absurd and it can be brought up. Which I'm glad us three white males can talk about it without being over sexualized. <laughs> I mean, it's true. I mean, we really people really could go on about this in a negative and in a not um, not empowering way. But it, it's fun to see a, a that it's now joked about. You know what I mean? And yeah, well, uh, I know at Celebration Chicago, I walked up on the picture being taken, uh, at, like one of the dioramas, yeah. like a Japanese diorama, and I would say about fifty to seventy percent of of the layers up there, the slave layers up there, were like men. Yeah, yeah, so, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> it's it's definitely uh, something that is. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever have it out of the Star Wars DNA, but it's it's definitely something that is uh, parodied. Oh yeah, 
there. So. It, it, but it, yeah. it's still Star Wars, and um, you know, we get this opening for Luke right after. Of course, we see Slave Leia, and I think it's so cool for Luke because it's all black, you know. And I love that Jabba in this sequence in particular is very well aware of the Force, and he might be the first like not Jedi character that's super aware of it. He's like, no, you fool. He's got you under a Jedi mind trick. And, um, you know, <laughs> this sequence in particular really paints Luke to be a badass. And uh, I don't know how much I want to talk about the Raycor sequence, but I think it's a great sequence. But it's to me, it's just like another filler suspense moment in the movie. And um, it's hyped up, of course. And it does. This is where it feels like a Clone Wars episode, you know, feels like a, an episode of the Mandalorian or something. It's just like these little tropes that are. Brought up, you know, like like a bee, like a bee, um, like you keep saying, Jerry, like a Saturday morning uh, cereal. It's just like these silly little things that happen. Yeah, man, this this like that's one thing I love about Return of the Jedi is it feels just like the most like Saturday morning cartoon like fun. Yeah, like when I'm watching like you know, uh, gosh, I don't want to date myself here. Uh, <laughs> uh, just like getting up and watching like your favorite. Like they used to have like fun like action cartoons like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles yeah, yeah. and stuff when I, you know like the real Ghostbusters was my jam man yeah. just like watching your heroes another week just like oh they're in more trouble yep. you know but I don't know man it's like Empire kind of set the bar for like giant monsters and stuff like that and we, we don't have quite as large of a monster mm. as the but just I've always loved the Rancor, man. The Rancor is is so freaking cool. Like I remember when they came out with the, uh, I don't know if it was the Power of the Force version of it. But oh, they I came remember out that as a set. The three and three quarter scale. Yeah, I still have it upstairs uh, in my tote of old Star Wars toys and stuff. And and man, that thing still looks good. It does look good. Oh man, I, I that was uh, probably my favorite creature for a long time, and. I don't know, thinking about it right now, it's probably just because I'm all in Return of the Jedi headspace. Yeah. It's still, it's still pretty high up there. Yeah. It's just that whole sequence. I mean, that poor defense, not, not maybe that defenseless Gamorrean guard, but he just falls down there and all he does <laughs> is try to climb back up the tube. And it's awful. He slurps Squealing. him up like vermicelli, man. Like, he's just like, <laughs> his arm is sticking out and they go, like, it's gone. Uh, done just such a fun sequence man it's uh, that whole thing is just so much fun and of course luke just hides under a rock which is you know that's what luke does he does it here he does it in the last jedi so <laughs> damn so, good point just, yeah. no um luke should pitch for the yankees i'm a yankees fan we need, we need some good bullpen action <laughs> get that man a rock put him oh on the mound gosh, 90 yeah. feet's nothing with the force that's all what i'm saying an arm, right what an arm well one thing i want to bring up i i love how how ancient the storytelling is like it's very greek it's very like ancient monster battle like um why can't i think of the name of, of the uh, famous not oedipus uh um oh well it, it's it is gonna come to me later like homer odyssey? yeah odyssey it's like the odyssey it's very like yeah the odyssey battling the uh the the um cyclops you know like that's what it feels like but um yeah, yeah, yeah. i love i love after the sequence all of them are like all in Jabba's presence again. And it's like Luke and Han and Leia. And there's a little bit of banter between them. And I actually love, you know, and I think everyone has a soft spot for the Sarlacc scene. You know, I think it's an amazing sequence. And, you know, with the build up to it, and, you know, Jabba, this will be your last, you know, mistake or whatever he says to him. And then the lightsaber jumps out the air. And I don't know. I, I've, 
I think it's a very a very cool and very Saturday morning serial feeling scene. You know, it's just super bombastic. And uh, I don't know. Does anyone have anything they would bring up about that moment besides Boba Fett's death? I think, which is significant, but does anyone have anything else they want to say about yeah, that whole buildup? I think this is a very Jedi route to take, especially with Luke, because he gives him one yeah, last chance, you know, free us Ooh, or die. Yeah. Like, I'm taking the Jedi path right now. I'm telling you, you don't want to go down this route. Yeah. Like, you, it will end badly for you. And he gave him the warning. Yep. Nope, Jabba, Jabba no Basa, whatever the heck it, he says at some point. Uh, he does not want to budge, nope. and uh, you know, Green Slimy over there is gonna get his uh, get his due when he gets choked out by Leia. <laughs> One of those greatest uh, greatest moments in Star Wars is just her her killing Jabba the Hutt. It's awesome after all the the crap that they've put that crew through with having to hunt down Han Solo, mm-hmm. and um, a little good redemption there for uh, for the crew too to uh to get rid of him so no longer in the galaxy bugging everybody although i do wonder if the hut clan at some point does survive good point somewhere else in the galaxy yeah there's gotta be something going on i think it's in this next uh episode of resistance that maybe came out uh this week that we have a new uh a new hut yeah oh well at least maybe he's not a part of the the crime family i think he if i remember from the clip he owns a uh uh, casino or something, which I'm very, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, we'll, we'll see by the time this episode airs, I may have seen it, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I would love to see that. And again, uh, just making reference to, uh, Leia's whole arc in bloodlines where, uh, Rin Riven die calls her the hut slayer. Um, man, I just, again, I would take the, the title of slave Leia and just put hut slayer on there. Yeah. I mean, that's just, anyway yeah but just i just i freaking love that that title is so cool um because she seriously yeah she takes him out uh i don't know she she is that was i don't know that's just such a good part i, I can't is. gush any I've already said brad that was great well uh, well one thing i want to bring up too about boba fett um there's so much speculation in the air is if he's dead or not um i want to hear everyone's opinion here because i've never asked anyone this uh on the pod before but uh Brad, do you think Boba's dead, or do you think he might have made it out, or what do you think? I think uh, I think it's the last we've seen of him. However, I don't think that he necessarily died in the Sarlacc. Yeah. I think if he could have escaped, he would have been way too wounded, potentially, yeah, to yeah, yeah. live on. But I know it's, it's kind of hinted at in the Aftermath series that someone may have potentially stolen his armor yeah. out of the Sarlacc. So, because I know at least the the traders on Tatooine recognize the the pattern or the color scheme of it. Mm-hmm. So I think his name is like Corvanth or something like that. So I think he's long gone. I don't think we'll see him again. However, I think we will probably catch him in reference or in name at some point. Especially being you know the son of the person who started the clone yeah. army. So right. the Fett name is obviously a very important one in the galaxy of events that have happened in the last you know 40 to 50 60 years yeah i agree um jerry anything about boba uh, no i mean i i think he's alive but it's not because i'm like i don't I, i'm kind of in the middle on this i don't like think i don't hate boba mm-hmm. but i'm also like you know uh boba fett or die yeah you know? um I don't know. George, I believe, I forget when this was. It was before the Disney acquisition, but I think he was asked one time what he thought. And I think George, being ever the editor, uh, said, 
that he believes that Boba Fett is alive. And so I guess if he was doing anything, he'd probably just throw Boba Fett in or something. So yeah, uh, who knows? I don't really think everyone's like, oh, he's going to pop up in the Mandalorian. I mean, he could maybe on down the line. I think Favreau and Filoni have said we're going to get uh, maybe a few legacy characters eventually, at least referenced maybe. Uh, so I don't know. You know, I think there's possibility, but yeah, like you said, Brad, I think it was, uh, Cobb, Cobb Vanth or something, uh, who's the guy who has his armor yeah. tattooing right now. I think it, if I'm remembering right, it talked about like how the the Jawas found uh, the Sarlacc like blown open. Ah, uh. so uh, there's I don't know. I think there's there's evidence that he is kicking around somewhere out there. But yeah, what, what do you think about it too? That whole to barge exploded, so all that yeah, all those pieces or, go into the Sarlacc. You know, right. so the Sarlacc probably doesn't agree with the what's eating <laughs> yeah <Very true>. Very <laughs> so true. dies opens up and now crawls boba fett so yeah. i think he got out of there i just don't know necessarily how long he survived in that desert stranded right. you know the heat will probably get to him and kill him alone yeah so depending on how far he is out from a nearest uh spaceport well right, right. one thing i want to bring up too is like i love how boba fett goes out it's so phasma it's so like oh god like it's just so <laughs> It's so cheated, but I mean, you know, that's just how it is in Star Wars sometimes. Um, I, I, whenever the Mandalorian's first episode came out, I had gotten texts from every one of my friends that was like, oh my God, this might answer so many questions. This is just gonna, there's a big spoiler at the end that's going to answer questions and stuff. And I'm like, the bounty's 50 years old. It is a thousand percent going to be Boba Fett. That would be amazing. And then it came out, I'm like... Nothing like I expected, but that's the, I think that's the point. I think that's why they set up the bounty that way. It was going to be in my head. It was going to be Boba Fett and how cool it would have been to see tomorrow Morrison's face, you know, versus the Mando, but definitely not the case of what we got. And I, yeah. I won't go into it, right. but, uh, but yeah, no, with that being said, um, I do love how Leia takes charge and kills, you know, kills job. I think that's part's great. And one thing I want to bring up too, you forget that Jabba has a tattoo on his arm and it's like a very brief in one shot, his arm goes off and you see like this <laughs> huge arm tattoo. It's kind of cool. Um, I do love when they escape the musical cues in this sequence are so good. Like the droids are in the sand and they get lifted out and they, they speed off and then the, the sail barge explodes. It's amazing. Um, it, yeah, it's very Anakin. Like the whole plan is just loosely, loosely planned. You know, no one knows what they should be doing, how it should be going. I, I do like that. And um, one cool thing I, I wanted to bring up too is when Luke gets his hand shot uh, in that sequence in particular. You see that in the Last Jedi later. It's amazing. You see like his hand being damaged, and yeah, it's it's. I'm very happy they kept that subtlety in, but um. So, uh, real quick, we finally cut back to the Empire. It's been 34 minutes in movie, uh, in the time of the movie, which is, that's an insane amount of time to, like, take a, like, a little short trip. But, um, Palpatine arrives, and the music is so good. Uh, and he says one line that I think is very interesting. Rise, my friend. Says that to Vader, and I never <laughs> thought of them as being friends, but I guess they are friends. Uh, now I want to ask you about this. This is interesting because it, it dawned on me watching it. Does Palpatine really care about the Death Star? Like Vader obviously didn't give a single crap about it in A New Hope. 
But do you think Palpatine, I guess for the sake of ruling the galaxy, but like take a step back and think about it. Do you think Palpatine really cares for it or is end goal, or is his end goal Luke? What do you think, Brad? Well, that answer could change depending on what happens in this next yeah, movie. Right. I don't know if we'll get any sort of explanation as to his larger plan this whole time. Because I know there's a couple of lines that he talks about in here, you know, saying, you know, everything is going as I have foreseen. Yeah. What is what is everything? You know, it's not just the Death Star. It's not just Luke. I think there's this larger plan that's been hinted at for so long. And when you think about something like a world between worlds and this idea of achieving immortality, mm -hmm. he's always been very obsessed, obsessed with cheating death. Yeah. That's very important to him. And again, getting all these like young apprentices to be his second hand is very important to yeah. him because he wants to retain his youth. That's something that he very like much prides himself in with his wardrobe and, and everything else. I mean, so I, I think, I think truly at the end of the day, he doesn't care about the death star. He realizes that there's a larger purpose to everything. Mm -hmm. And even if this fails, so what, because you got to imagine they, they probably should have put more of the empire on that base having known it's half finished and like Luke Skywalker's coming. Like I get it might kind of play into the emperor being overconfident, like Luke says, but at the same time, you got to have some sort of plan. And I mean, he does, he has a contingency plan. So clearly the death star wasn't the last resort. Exactly. It's not the most important thing to him. Right. So I think there's a lot more going on larger scale and the death star doesn't really scratch the surface. Yeah. That's a beautiful, that's a beautiful statement you made about in particular him being, Hey, he's a pretty busy dude. <laughs> I mean, he's always got, he's always thinking about the next step. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think the death star is one of those things that might've just been a small step in his grander scheme of things. And it really did help during the battle, but that's about it. Uh, what about you, Jerry? No, I, I think one of the cool things we're getting in new canon is the, Kind of this idea that Palpatine is just constantly reaching and searching for, for he's trying to just get a monopoly on everything that is powerful yeah. in the galaxy and, and hold it down and, and like have these like he wants to have these super weapons so that people will obey the government yeah. and stuff so he can go and look for all of these insane oh yeah uh, powers and I mean he's he's after the temple on Lothal mm -hmm. he's after. Uh, you know, things out in the unknown regions. We'll see what that, maybe we'll see a little, get a little bit clearer of a picture on that after Rise of Skywalker. But uh, just really what you're saying, right? You know, he really is, he's a, like we're, we're saying, he's a busy guy. He's trying to get all these things in his grasp. And the Death Star is, I think, but a means to an end. Yeah. Definitely. It's important. But it's only important in that it, it basically uh, keeps people from trying to turn against the government he's got in place so he can stay in charge and uh, keep getting all this good uh, power and all that stuff like a good Sith should. Definitely. Um, I, I think I think a, a good thing to be brought up is he, he definitely has a plan for every little step of his process. And he even brings up like how only we can turn him to the dark side. You know, it's, it's an interesting statement because I guess if Vader can't, then Palp will or if... Palpatine can't then Vader will it's it's interesting and, and I one thing I like is we'll see it later Vader doesn't want to hurt or turn Luke to the dark side like you can just tell he is he is trying to avoid that as much as he can um one thing I want to get into after this is it's a very small character interaction between Palpatine and Vader but it definitely sets the standard because Vader bows before him and like you know it's it's 
you can see, oh, now Vader really is kind of like uh, just another guy in this big battle, too. He's not the ultimate bad guy. We see the ultimate bad mm-hmm. guy. Um, and then to kind of flip this interaction, you've got Yoda and Luke having this a very similar interaction in Dagobah, but it's not as cynical and evil. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up, too, in particular about this is Return of the Jedi might have some of the best character relationship development in all of Star Wars. Like, there's a lot of scenes that I forgot about, especially prior to this rewatch, that had to deal with, like, Luke and Leia talking about something very serious. Yoda and Luke talking about very serious stuff. Vader and Luke talk twice about very serious stuff. Palpatine and um, Luke talk about very serious stuff. And then it's sprinkled in with silly Ewok goodness. But it's like, it's it's one of these <laughs> movies that like, I mean, Empire Strikes Back, of course, had great development. But it's nowhere near as personal as this movie might be. You know, it's kind of like they took the Obi-Wan and Luke discussion from A New Hope, and they just repeated it so many times to make it just as intense. Um, but with that being said, we are now on Dagobah, and I love I love the lines that Yoda here, you know, says here, you know, look, look, eyes so old to young eyes, 900 old, old comment, you know, uh, soon I will, soon I will rest, forever sleep, earned it, I have, which I think is. It's kind of cool. I just saw Doctor Sleep yesterday, and there's a lot of that in the movie. In the movie Doctor Sleep, so uh, yeah. With that being said, do y'all how do y'all feel about this whole Yoda death sequence? Did it, did it ever make you sad as a kid? I remember making me pretty sad. Yeah, it made me it made me sad as a kid. You never like to see the mentor die. I mean, he's lived 900 years, trains so many Jedi, and he's obviously very cute. Um, at least in his, his old age, he's not as cute, no, he's not. I would say. Maybe if he were a little younger, he might be a little cuter. Maybe. Um, I digress. But uh, <laughs> as I've gotten older, it's it, this might sound bad, but I start to laugh at the scene a little bit. <laughs> Let me explain. <laughs> so it's just kind of funny because it's just how the dialogue is. It's like every five seconds, Yoda's like, yes. Luke. He's like, what, what, what? He's like... Uh, there's another Skywalker. I was like, oh, okay, that's it. It's Luke. Oh, what, what, what now? I did my, I left the stove on. Oh, <laughs> turn it off for you. Luke. So it's just like every four seconds, he's like in some new revelations. Like, oh my God, what's he going to say now? Yeah. So I laugh in that sense, but it is still very emotional. I think, uh, Scotty, you mentioned that, you know, this, I think it's definitely up there, this movie in terms of the, the character relationships yeah. and, I think the conversation between the Luke and Yoda is very important. And, you know, Luke apologizing for the fact that he left his training Mm -hmm. too early. And uh, Yoda, you know, says, you rushed to face Darth Vader. You were incomplete with your training, not ready for the burden, were you? And and Luke is very apologetic about that. So it's very powerful stuff. Luke's owning up to his failure. And again, our heroes can fail and they can be flawed. Yeah. And that's just the beginning of that that journey for Luke, because as we see later on in the saga, you know, he continues down that path of of uh, of failure. And I think that kind of stems from this interaction, even because beautiful. when do we get the resolution of that failure? When does Luke come around finally and be that spark of hope for the resistance? 
It's when he talks to Yoda again in The Last Jedi. So it's almost like his whole life after this moment, there's something within himself that's incomplete. And it's not until he talks back with Yoda again for Yoda to be like, listen, failure is the best teacher. It's okay. You failed back then. I told you you had failed. You said, sorry, you're failing again now. It's okay. Again, you can just apologize Mm -hmm. and move on with your life. So this interaction, I think, does have implications farther down the line. What do you guys think on on that in terms of how this relates even to the last Jedi conversation, getting ahead of ourselves a little bit? No, that, that, that no, you know, sorry, Joe, you go, bud. No, no, I was just gonna say hundred percent. Like, you know, that whole, the whole thing there, you know, Luke is, is just distraught after he, again, that we're jumping to last Jedi, but, uh, he, he's so distraught that he basically, he feels like he caused, uh, Ben to turn to the dark side. It was yes. his fault these things and so there here we've got yoda i i believe it's even yoda completing his arc you know that's true and you know we talked about in the clone wars how he was like uh well you know i'll i'll be a general in this in this army and you know it's uh, i kind of don't really feel good about it but I'm, I'm still gonna do it and then we've got uh empire strikes back where he's like you know we're, we're gonna train you and you gotta you gotta just be patient uh, but but you have to kill your dad too. <laughs> so, uh, now in La- or in Last Jedi, telling Luke like you know um, the greatest teacher failure is you know you're gonna fail you're gonna fall down and, and it's okay. Um, no, I 100% Brad. I think you're absolutely correct on this. I think it definitely uh, connects to that and uh, it's just uh, I don't. It, it's a great reminder that that we're constantly learning. Definitely, definitely. Even as, you know, those, someone as old and wise as Master Yoda still happens to learn new things, even apparently in the afterlife. Uh, so, yeah. And I think what I'm really trying to get at here, too, is like, imagine like somebody you love, right? And that person dies in front of you, and your last interaction with them is you admitting to your own failures. Luke apologizing, that's got to carry with him for so long, you know? So he's, he's turns into this almost perfectionist of like, everything has to be perfect. I have to train Ben Solo. I have to make him be a great Jedi like myself, my mighty Skywalker blood. And when that doesn't happen, he goes back to this moment where he feels vulnerable and is like, you know, I let Yoda down and that's been haunting me ever since. And I've been trying to make everything perfect since then. And it's just not working. So I'm going to go hide. You know, so I think I think that stems back to this conversation is what I'm trying to get at. If that makes more sense. That's beautiful. Absolutely. But yeah, I'm glad you feel the same way. Well, one thing I will say is I like that Luke is kind of in distress. He's like, Master, you can't die. But I love this next line that Yoda says. He says, strong am I with the force, but not that strong. But that really kind of makes you question, is Palpatine that strong to not die in the force? I mean, it's just a he, – the way it's phrased mm. is interesting because that can totally be utilized later. And there's this next line that I love. I love it. Yeah. It's the uh, twilight is upon me and soon light must fall. Do you think that's metaphorical in its own weird sense to the Skywalker saga? Because then the next, mm. then the Snoke says, <sighs> when darkness rises, light is to meet it. You know, when, uh, or whatever, the, I don't know the exact line, but, uh, you know, twilight is upon me and soon light must fall. I love that line. I think, you know, I had the same thought, Scotty, about, you know, not powerful enough in the force. Are you for that or whatever? And I was like, oh, does that mean you can be? Um, I think it could have some possible implications. I was I was trying to think like maybe he's just 
joking about yeah. that, but also like maybe there is some sort of level that you well, can a- achieve in the force well, where it's like you're at that point yes. where you can be immortal. Well, then, and I think that's maybe what Palpatine's after. It's paralleled again in 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 uh, TLJ where where Kylo Ren says you can't be doing this. The effort would kill you. It's got like, it's like, you know, how are you force projecting? You know, how can you do that? You you can't do this. Something that's making this happen. Same with this. You know, if he's, he's not that strong, he's strong in the force, but he's not that strong. So uh, it's, it's that idea of being strong in the force is something that I've had debates with recently with some friends. Like, can you be strong with the force or can you use the force to benefit you in different ways, which is something that we can, Totally take a deep dive once this Skywalker saga is over. Jerry, you have something to say? I could tell. Oh, well, I was going to say it was, uh, you know, it could just be him too, like kind of making like a, a just like a statement on the finality of death, you yes. know? Oh, yeah. Like, right. You, know what? you can be powerful in the Force, but the one thing you can't do is, naturally yeah. with the Force, rotations around naturally, is not die or cheat death. Um, and of course, in a way, you know, Yoda and uh, Obi Wan and Anakin, they they still taste death, but they still sort of retain their uh, uh, identity within the Force, which is kind of cool. So that, that's basically like them uh, not dying. Uh, but I don't know. It's just it, to me, I guess it always kind of thought. I always kind of took it as that as like I don't know, like maybe. Now that you're saying that, I don't know, like, we, we got to see what's going on with uh, good old Uncle Palps. Exactly. But uh, I think when you're, when you're, the force is in balance as it should be, uh, you're not going to be able to get out of dying. No. That's just, that's all. In fact, in TLJ, where Ray tells, or Luke tells Ray to, you know, reach out with her feelings, and she senses light, darkness, uh, birth, death, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Uh, it's all part of the force, and so... Uh, yeah, not that strong, but also uh, that would be pretty unnatural to try to do that, I believe. Yeah. In terms of this like meta foreshadowing that Yoda may be implying, especially in retrospect after we've watched a couple more Star Wars films, <sighs> one thing I do think could be retconned in a way, I guess, is the line from Yoda about there is another Skywalker. I'm starting to feel, and I, I had the first th- thought of this today when I was watching, and I was like, I wonder if he doesn't mean Leia. Like, I know at the time that's meant to mean Leia, but again, Star Wars is is a form of iterative storytelling where it changes as you oh, as yeah. you watch more films. So what Definitely. came before has a different meaning. And I think especially when you look at this as a collective nine-unit saga, you have to remember that everything is all part of the same story. So, yes, at the time, this only related to within this original trilogy, but now you have to relate it into the entire context of there are three more movies and this battle's not <laughs> exactly. yet Exactly. You right. know? So I'm starting to think that when he says there's another Skywalker, he's talking about Ben Solo. Possibly. And I feel like if we're calling the ninth movie The Rise of Skywalker, that Skywalker in that title is the one that Yoda is referring to in this moment. The Skywalker that we for so long have been prophesizing about being there, another one is finally going to rise to really end this battle because it couldn't be Luke. Couldn't be Vader. It's got to be somebody else. It can't be Leia. I mean, because I know obviously the Carrie Fisher storyline has changed pretty drastically, but um, she chose more of a life of politics than the force. So she's more of a military general than that. So that the expectation on her is not to balance the force. It's got to be somebody else. And who who else is left in the Skywalker lineage than, you know, Kylo Ren and Ben Solo? Definitely. 
I don't know. It's just a thought I have. I don't know if you guys think that's a wild tinfoil hat theory. Not but at all. I, that's kind of my new headcanon interpretation of it, which I, I, I was like, I watched it today. I was like, whoa. That's true. <laughs> that, but then you bring up a good point. And uh, especially what proceeds after this discussion, you know, he says, you finally get the confirmation that Vader is his dad and the Force theme plays. And I love this. He goes, unfortunate that I know the truth. That's what Luke says. I forgot the line that precedes it. Um, but it says this. It says, uh, unfor- he told, told you, did he, uh, somebody of being unfortunate. I guess I forgot yeah. the line too. <laughs> well, the next line is amazing is unfortunate. You rushed to face him. That incomplete was your training, not ready for the burden. Were you? So it's cool to think that no, Yoda was not holding him back from saving his friends. It was holding <clears throat> him back from dealing with such a terrible reality that he is the son of Vader. Right. And it, and it gives, like you said, Brad, right. watching these movies, you don't watch them in a vacuum. You know, you watch them. You watch them yeah. as a nine part saga, because if you watch it that way, it will change the meanings of certain sequences that happen, especially this one. You know, you were not ready for the burden. I wasn't holding you are probably a great Jedi, but I'm not holding you back because you weren't a great job holding you back because you couldn't handle what you were going to be told. And that's, yeah. Another beautiful thing about these movies, you can kind of pick apart that way. And uh, I love that That it's weird. It's weirdly phrased, but Yoda kind of reminds Luke in this sequence that, like, you will only become a Jedi once you defeat, defeat your father. And I think it's just so, like, that's <laughs> so not the prequel Jedi, which the prequel Jedi were wrong. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It maybe, yeah. maybe the Jedi have learned through trial is the only way to really achieve full abilities in the force, but it doesn't seem that way yeah. now. Maybe Yoda dying is a good thing because that old view of the Jedi might die with it. I don't know. It's, it's very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. I laugh at the father thing because I, I, I'm looking at now, jumping a little head to the Obi-Wan conversation. Obi-Wan uh, talks about killing Vader, and Luke says, I can't kill my own father. And, and Obi-Wan says, then the Emperor has already won. Yeah. Which I found this really interesting. Right. What does that mean? So you can't think about it in like a larger scope. You know, okay, so to in order to defeat the baddie, you have to kill your own father. Well, who's the only person in the entire saga who kills their own father? Yep. It's Kylo Ren. Yeah. Wow. So, and I was thinking Damn. about like, why does it matter that you have to kill your own father? So in this perspective, like, yes, you have to kill Vader, I guess, to eliminate a second dark side threat. I don't know. I'm just having trouble grappling with this idea, but thinking about it from like the Ben Solo perspective, I'm like, okay, he has to kill his father because when he eventually goes to face the emperor, like what else does he have to lose at that point? You know, like he's already gone down the darkest path he possibly can. And now he's coming back from it. So it's like, what can the emperor really threaten him with? That will exactly that will really corrupt him, you know, whereas somebody like Luke, the attachment to his father could be his downfall. It's what leads him into the emperor's lair. If his father's dead, he doesn't have that kind of attachment. But at the same time, it's what like the the attachment is what wins the day. I don't know. This whole thing has really thrown my mind for a loop. It's really hard to well, like Brett, the point of these like vocalize it. But yeah, no, the point of these episodes were, and if, if you have the opportunity before the rise of Skywalker comes out, go back to our episode dealing with revenge of the Sith. I mean, that might be our most speculation heavy. It's weird. The third installment of each saw of each trilogy has been the heaviest in terms of implications and, and revenge of the Sith genuinely and 
and just because how it's written has the most implications of the sequences that we might see occur in the rise of Skywalker and this movie too. There's a lot of phrases in here that can totally be that, that, you know, Chris Terrio and JJ could have totally heard just like we're hearing it and be like, Oh shit. Like we really can do something with this phrase. You know, it's, it's very beautifully done. And especially in this, this movie in particular, um, Anyway, yeah, I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to... Let, let me throw this... Yeah, well, no, I want to hear... Jay. No, you're good. What were you going to say? All I was going to say was, uh, uh, let, let me just kind of throw this down for you fellas and see what you think about this. Do you think that Yoda and Obi-Wan were really... Do you think they really wanted Luke to kill... Do you think they really thought that that was the way to win, was to kill Vader? Man, because I don't know. Because it almost looked like they didn't learn their lesson from Revenge of the Sith. What if they were trying to maybe put Luke in a position where he had to make a choice to where he finally, I don't know if this maybe takes stuff away from Luke or whatever, but like they put him in a a situation where he had to make the choice. Do I kill my father or do I not? Because it almost seems like when you get to the point in return of the Jedi, and we'll get to it again where, you know, the emperor is like standing over him, like, yeah, kill your father and take his place at my side. Yeah. you almost got to think that maybe they were just trying to put him in a position where he would make the right decision and actually not uh, do it. Almost like uh, they they inse- did a little inception on him, you know, like planted the idea of, yeah. you know, like, tell him, you got to kill your father, you got to kill your father, to where he was like, no, I'm not going to. I'm going to win the most Jedi way I possibly can, which is to toss away my weapon again. We'll get there. I don't know. I don't know how that hits you guys. If you think they were uh, kind of leading them on there, if they actually thought that's how they could win. I don't know. That's that's yeah. That's what I'm struggling with too. Because I'm like, I don't know what good that does to kill your dad when your dad could be the one to help turn to face the emperor. I don't know. It's it's a tough tough one to swallow for sure. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but to to move on throughout this scene because this is one of those scenes like on our last episode with John Brad we like talked about the Yoda interactions for like a solid hour. And this is the, this movie has a lot of those same, like just heavy dialogue and quotes, uh, quote written, you know, sequences. And I love the Luke when I am when gone, am I the last that Jedi will be? It's just Ryan Johnson said when he read and he heard that scene and he watched that scene, he like knew the answer. He just knew the last Jedi would be the, the title of his movie. And I love that. Um, Right. The force runs Brilliant. strong in your family. That's so good. Passed on what you have learned. Uh, the best part is before he dies. Luke, there's another Skywalker. And just think about how heavy that must have been. Six months ago, you just learned that your dad is this horrible, evil, evil, evil man. And then now you got a sibling. And, of course, the sibling thing in the next scene happens way more. And uh, Yoda completes his uh, kind of his thoughts from Empire. You know, there is another. Skywalker and Jerry, you wrote no retcon needed. What did you mean by that in your notes? Um, <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> I think just that I, I think it was so it was long coming ago. off of what we were talking about with John, how it's like, you know, um, I don't know. Maybe I was thinking Leia. I don't know. It was, uh, I, I was, it was very late on on uh, this past Friday when I was uh, taking the last of these notes. Yeah, so. I get that. Um, that's happened to me a lot here. Like I, 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 I write notes and then I, I just kind of, uh, you know, move on with it. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah. So there's another Skywalker. What does it mean? No, I, you know, I think what I was thinking was just that like it's it's got to be Leia, but at the same time, 
I'm very open to whatever they want to, however they want to interpret yeah, it. Yeah, like I've, Brad said earlier. Like, I have ne- they haven't let me down yeah. with, with any anything they've done yet. And like, yeah, like Brad was yeah talking about earlier with this whole, maybe it is Ben, uh, Ben Solo, you know, because he, sorry guys, he is a Skywalker, he's got Skywalker blood. Yes. Uh, yeah, it, it, that's all that matters. Um, I don't know, like, the, it's all up in the air, and again, you guys, if you're listening to this after uh, Rise of Skywalker comes out, then you know the answers. Uh, Maybe. So just have fun with us future people. They might have more questions and answers maybe after that movie hopefully it's a lot of answers um one thing i thought was funny was before we get to the sequence of obi-wan showing up and talking to luke as well which is great character development and and seeing that interaction occur r2 looks at the force ghost obi-wan he like he initially turns his head like oh and then luke's like what do you look and he looks. I just find that kind of funny. Do you think that was? Uh, do you think the Force Ghost can manifest to where most people can see? Well, obviously not. Actually, at the end of this movie, Luke's looking off with his arm propped up, and he sees the three Force Ghosts that came before him, and no one else sees him. I don't know. It's weird. R two definitely notices it though. He like <laughs> turns his head. He's like, "Oh shit! Wait, that's old guy." That's Obi Wan, you know. <laughs> like, wait, he's back? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How did he get back here? What do you think of that, y'all? R two's like, what did I miss? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. I don't. I I've always thought, you know, like we have the uh, the line from Obi Wan in A New Hope where he says, "If you strike me down, I'll become more powerful than you could possibly imagine." Um, I think they can be seen by whoever they want to be seen yeah. by. Yeah. Yeah, they, they they can they can let anyone see them whoever they want. Uh, the they can be seen by whoever they want. Uh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. They just they they can like manifest themselves. However, if they want just Luke to see them, they they're gonna like show up in Bright Tree Village and just wave at him. You know, say hey, we're all good here. We're all fine. How are you? Uh, and and if they want everyone to see them, then you know, like they will. You know. Uh, the force forces as it wills. Yeah. You know, that's what yeah. I love that we were kind of taking back in, in the sequel trilogy and stuff in this new era of star Wars is the force is more mystical. It is. Uh, like to think of it. And I, I think that the reason why George kind of made it a little more scientific in the prequels is maybe he was kind of making a point of, if you really think too much about this stuff, you can really just start, uh, nitpicking, uh, at the little aspects when if you look at the whole picture the whole picture is something more grand and mysterious and um yeah i'm i'm so excited to see more but i think we're going to get more on force ghosts uh in rise of skywalker possibly have uh yeah return of the jedi so i'm i'm quite excited for that um and if they subvert my expectations i'm cool with that too so pretty much yeah I think the only thing I'll have to add on just the force in general, because I don't think we'll touch on it the rest of this episode, at least. I don't I don't know if there's many other references to the force. Not really. But, um, I want to see more interactions between Luke and, and Forest Ghost Obi-Wan in the comic book yes. run that's coming out. Oh, uh, yes. We didn't get that in the first comic run for Star Wars because it's before Luke finds out about Force Ghosts. So I think that will help us learn a lot more in terms of maybe who can and who can't see Force Ghosts, how Force Ghosts operates. And just what Luke is learning, because obviously after three years, he's still battling with his, is Darth Vader really my father? Yes. So uh, just a right. thought. I'm excited for that kind of storytelling. And uh, and yeah, again, I think it's important to know that in Star Wars, you know, there's no science. There's no formula to the force. The force is as it wills itself to be. And I think that's the most important thing. It's 
I think back to that Freddie Prince Jr. rant, and I bring it up all the time, is because it's not a video game. There's no skill True. tree. You exactly. don't have to get from point A to point C by going through point B. Right. You can get anywhere you need to at any time, and that's the most important thing about the Force. It operates the way it needs to, and that's that's the universe. That's life. You know? That's awesome. It's, it's, uh, it's like water. It, it flows through everything, and it it flows freely and continuously, and that's that. So that's my only that's my only thing on the Force. It's not a level. It's not a video game. Well, that's it. No, it's true. And, and <laughs> I love that in this sequence in particular, Obi-Wan does some backtracking and he tells the stories of the prequels again. And um, he says this line in particular, many, many of the troops we cling to. I'm sorry, wait, many of the troops we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. So it's like, it's to me, I, I love that it's, it's a very, it's a pretty much a foretelling of what we will see in the last Jedi, because we've get, Three points of view. We get the Luke and Ben seeing the darkness within him. Then we get, you know, uh, Ben then seeing, you know, the evil in Luke's eyes. And then we get the real telling, which is really kind of interesting. It's all forms of point of view. It all depends on our point of view and your point of view and the point of view of what we know is going to happen and what has happened. And I I know, Brad, you probably can talk about this for hours because I'm sure you like the you know TLG for this reason. It's like this point of view thing is super huge in Star Wars and maybe we'll get some interesting uh, moments in The Rise of Skywalker that deals with the point of view. Uh, but yeah, I, I love that Luke is always learning lessons. Like regardless of age, of time, of situation, he is always going to learn. He's the ideal student. Um, he says to Obi-Wan, I can't kill my own father. And this part, I, I always kind of, uh, I didn't like it because you, you were our only hope. The, the, the other he spoke of is your twin sister. So it's a great tie into the prequels, you know, that this, this kind of answered mm. a lot of loose ends that the prequels left off in terms of chronological storytelling. Um, but right. the rise of Skywalker, I think will open doors and it will, I'm sorry, uh, revenge of the Sith is going to be the one that opens a lot of the doors in the rise of Skywalker. Like I said earlier, in regards to the three part, this, the third chapter in each trilogy, I think they all have their own chances of opening and closing certain doors on this. But uh, I, I love the um, I love the reveal of Leia as his sister. I, I never thought it was silly. Even as a kid, it makes sense. They're they're part of the same family feel. I don't know. They like are both look the same age. They both feel young. They both feel like Skywalkers. One is the headstrong version. The other one is the, you know, like the more in command, you know, logical version. I don't know. I think it's really mm-hmm. cool. But the, the right. best sides yeah. of Anakin and Padme and the worst sides of them too in their own right. But um, any thoughts on Leia, the Leia reveal? I think it's great. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's appropriate. I think it's great to see Luke's moment of realization. I don't know if we're, jumping ahead at least to that conversation between the two of them but shortly yeah the look in leia's eyes when she finds out you know she she's like i've always known Mm -hmm. and again that's just the mysteries of the force you know it you always kind of feel that that there's something Mm -hmm. there and that the for the force does work in mysterious ways to point you in the right direction and the right paths and um you know leia's definitely force sensitive as we've as we've seen in the last jedi so um it's always been there within her. It's just a matter of when it would awaken. And I think Luke definitely helped her to get to that point. Mm-hmm. And I think that conversation was handled so well. And, you know, Han Solo coming in at the last second and kind of getting pissed off initially and being like, you know, whatever, you don't want to tell me stuff. Fine. <laughs> yeah. And then he walks away and he realizes there's more to this than there might be. Yes. I seem to be there for her. It was just a very touching moment. I really like all of that. 
it's it feels like a very human reaction yeah. to everything that's happening in that in that moment um and then a very heartwarming one in a moment uh, where leia just needs a hug and i don't know i just love the whole sequence and this whole reveal um one of my favorite parts of this movie this sequence in particular that's awesome i, I agree with that uh jerry any th- any comments to make on the reveal of him being a sister him having a sister and it being leia of all people do you have anything you would want to add in on that in particular I think that I, I wrote in my notes maybe it, there's kind of a look at first with Luke where it's like I made a horrible mistake or something like Joe Blues uh-huh. or I can't remember what I wrote that about or not. Yeah, I think but that was it. No, I've been making comments on how it's like, you know, it, it's a, a wonder that Lucas kind of played their moments that were slightly romantic as awkward as he did. Yeah. So it wasn't like, it wasn't ever like, oh, yeah, we really want this to happen. I mean, there was actually a, a big contingent of fans, apparently, back in the day who uh, were really uh, pulling for uh, Luke and Leia to get together. I Ugh. think I've seen a few... Well, Spur of the Mind's there. Eye kind of breaks that it breaks into that barrier, um, too, if I'm not mistaken, as the story. Yeah, yeah. Which is... But it, it was interesting, for sure. Definitely. But, I, I don't know, I... It's it's brilliant. I mean, there's nothing I can really else I can really add to it that you guys haven't already said. It's it's great. I can just make you know, uh, horror, or I can just make dumb uh, uh, Arrested Development references. So. <laughs> um, but with that being said, Luke departs from Dagobah, and um, one thing I do like is they go to the Rebel meeting, and not much you could say about it except for you know Mon Mothma's introduction's pretty cool and. Admiral Akbar being in there too, and uh, the trio being back together, like really in their in their I guess their right place, not on Jabba's uh, sail barge. Um, I do love when they leave before they get to Endor. I love that there is a brief Force Skype between Vader and Luke. There is a bond there. There is a bond in the Force there, and I'm very happy that TLJ TLJ kind of took those moments of Force connectivity between Leia and Luke and Luke and Vader, and like made it so much more understandable from a perspective. It was, it's not quite mm. as, as vague as this movie is, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I really do dig that. I don't know. I, I think it's kind of interesting that the force can manifest itself in that way to where, you know, these people are either connected by choice or Vader seeking him out. And, and Luke is so worried. He's like, I just, I just jeopardized the whole mission, which he didn't because the mission's not to stop the rebels. The mission is to get Luke to the Emperor, which in turn leads to the rebels being stopped. But that could be dived into a little bit deeper. Um, then we get to Endor, and uh, I really don't know if we should break down each sequence in this. Uh, anything in particular before we get before Luke and Leia's conversation? We've got a lot of situations that happen. The speeder chase, uh, the guy that looks like Rex. Um, a lot of things like the Ewok introductions. I don't know. Does anyone want to say anything from those sequences in particular that they like? Just all of it. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, the, the whole, like when they first get there and everything and, and the, the speeder chase and all that, like the, uh, I, I wrote down that, you know, like, uh, one thing I noticed was just that they're the chemistry between the three of them, even though Harrison may have been a little checked out yeah. in this movie, uh, <laughs> It was still it was still enjoyable to watch, man. It was just a lot of fun to watch. Like, the, yeah, like hey, it's me. You I know? Like love you that it. comment. It's such a fun, <laughs> just like Han, you know, being buddies with Luke, and and you know, like it's just everything you you wanted since you've watched the you know A New Hope yeah. and stuff. And it was 
here we are back together again. Uh, it was great. So, I don't know. This, this movie's just chock full of it. It is. What about you, Brad? Yeah, I was going to say one of my favorites is, you know, keep your distance, Chewy, but don't look like you're trying to keep your distance. <laughs> I don't know. Fly casual. Like, just right off That's the great. bat, you know, this mission is just going to be Goofy. full of hilarity yeah. and ridiculousness. And, I mean, come on. Care Bears fighting the Empire? I mean, yeah, that would not fly now. <laughs> like, but the fact that it happened, I know George Lucas originally wanted it to be uh, Kashyyyk, mm-hmm. and it would be the Wookiees yep. taking on the Empire, which... Holy crap, if that was the case, this movie would like skyrocket in my list. Probably. I think that would have been really cool to see. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, technology and practical effects at the time are very limited. So um, in another universe, maybe we, that's the version that we get. But the Ewoks in general, I do love a lot. Uh, Wicket, you know, Warwick Davis, we're very blessed to have gotten him in the Star Wars universe to be Absolutely. so heavily involved in, in what he's doing and hosting celebration panels and showing up in uh solo to reprise his phantom menace character and uh appearing as rook awesome. and rebels so you know he's one of the greatest additions to the the star wars universe that we continue to to see great things from and uh, leia's outfit in the ewok village i think was very great just kind of see her embrace that side of herself and um you know, as opposed to the horrific slave bikini that I'm, I'm not a fan of. Again, we get her just <laughs> right. to be very like princess like, but also embracing like a natural side um, based on how the Ewoks uh, wardrobe is. So it just the, just the whole sequence and, and Bright Tree Village and um, 3PO finally getting to be a deity, you know, after all these years <laughs> and all these languages, uh, he finally gets his one shining moment on top of that chair. And that's another another fun thing that uh, the return of the Jedi does. Well, you know, I, I do want to bring up wicket and, uh, uh, Brad, have you had the opportunity to watch the, uh, featurette that was, that was put out. That was like the journey to the rise of Skywalker with that, 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 um, there was on YouTube. It came, I think it came out this past weekend and it was, it, yeah, it's like a, almost a behind the scenes thing, but it was, uh, I think it was what they showed before the episode nine. Yeah, it was. Yes. So you, you, added, yeah. uh, Stuff coming. You in. saw it. I don't want to spoil anything for you, but there is a shot in there that's like revealed a returning uh, character showing up in The Rise of Skywalker. Did you realize that or no? No. Should I tell him? While you guys discuss, I will check it out no, right I'll, now look, on my I'm phone. Gonna, I'm going to message <laughs> it to you. Hold on. I got to message it to you, Brad. Hold on. But um, no, I, I one thing I will bring up too in regards to like. Uh, Jerry, you actually wrote this. I want to hear what you have to say. You mentioned how it's out of character that after this whole entire um, <laughs> sequence that, that Chewie's the one to act like super animalistic. I don't know. I, I mean, he, you know, Wookiees, it's funny. Like, Wookiees are, are kind of like, I almost feel like it, it's almost like people like look at them like they're animals, but they're very advanced and stuff. And I just thought it was, I've always thought it was kind of funny that like uh, Chewie, like falls for like a trap <laughs> essentially, essentially like a trap to like catch a wild animal and stuff but i mean it, it, it makes sense because he, yeah he's he's he is a wookie and you know of course i'm sure he likes i don't know he's he's based on a dog yeah so like and stuff but it's just funny like with everything that we have i'm almost the cannon junkie and he's like yeah but they're very they're very proud people and so you know like <laughs> i get a little upset for chewy in that scene but i also understand he was very hungry yes uh, and i'm not really sh- entirely sure that uh rebel rations were very good for a uh wookie of his age so uh 
we're yeah, always thinking with your stomach, Chewie. It's, Come yeah, on. That was so great. Um, I, don't get me wrong. I love it, but I just, I always, it's always just struck me as, as like weird. Like, why is he all of a sudden just like, um, oh, yeah, and I want, I, I want to go for this wild animal trap. <laughs> like, um, I think we just saw a live reaction of Brad's realization of a returning character. And I don't think it'd be that much of a spoiler because I think they are going all out. Uh, <laughs> I sent it in the Bombad Cast's Twitter page uh, messages. Um, what do you think of that, Brad? Yeah. So, spoiler, if you're listening, slight spoiler, I guess. It's Not slight, really. Slight know. spoiler. It's, it's it's just kind of a confirmation of something everyone really hoped for. I mean, was there any of us who didn't really like? We were all hoping that something like that would happen, Yo, right? I yeah. got so giddy. I, mean, I just we got watched the remnants of the Death Star too. Yeah. Uh, in this movie confirmed so come on you gotta have again run away run away if you don't want anything spoiled for rise of skywalker we we, we have i think a slight confirmation of ewoks specifically one uh wicked oh it's so good himself a little bit of more of a gray face which is kind of neat if you like really yeah. look at that stick yeah and just the, that shot of Warwick looking up at that that head. Could you imagine how uh, full freaking circle that would be? Chills, man. It did, I, and I'm like, I it it I like paused it. I'm like, that's an that's an old photo. It has to be. I'm like, no, that's old Warwick. That's Warwick Davis yeah. from Celebration. Like, that's not little kid Warwick they Davis. Trick you. you know, it's they like to trick you because they, that they're like showing all this stuff from the original trilogy behind yep. the scenes stuff, but that's that that was sneaky. Sneaky uh, Lucasfilm and company, very uh, very well done. I well, yeah, the conference. Well, thank you for blowing my mind on this Sunday night. Yeah, well, good. Isn't that crazy? It's it's such a cool <laughs> shot. But uh, luckily, we'll get the return I'm of Wicked. Excited. So that's gonna be awesome. Um, no, Brad brought up he loves how how three PO. Oh no, was it Brad or Jared? I don't remember now. Brought up how they like how three PO is kind of performed, uh, seen as a deity, and um, I love. I, yeah, I love three PO in the scenes. Brad. But I love Han and Luke bossing around still, like they're like on, on, caught yeah. on the thing, like you know, you know, you know, they're like tell him this, tell him this, tell him that, you know. And uh, even before <laughs> Luke and Leia talk, Han's like, "We need more supplies, and we need this." Come on, are you gonna tell him or not? Um, yeah, I just it's just. <laughs> I know that's like so ridiculous, but but I love that so much and stuff. I mean, come on. What's more marvelous humor than than that yeah. too? Like yeah. I don't know. I not to get on that that train again, but uh, I just like I, I love Han has so many fun quips in this in this movie. He does. So and three PO and hey, I think three PO is about to get his due. Oh, uh, coming totally. Too, so. Yep. No one's gonna. Blast I would him recommend. Around. Anthony Daniels' autobiography. I just finished it this weekend, and they oh. do talk about that specific sequence in it with Han Solo and 3PO with the you know the triple takes yeah. and what filming that part was like. But I would say it's a very good read in the lead up to this movie, especially if you think 3PO is going to have a larger role. Oh, awesome! I think this would be a very appropriate uh, time to read it. So. Excellent. That's good to know. Very good. All right. Um, to th- I still wish they could he could have gotten them to call it telling the odds. Like he, he wanted to publish <laughs> that. That was. But anyway, yeah, no, um, we then lead into a very important sequence, um, in regards to what this might imply for the future stories and, you know, the, the son of, of Han and Leia, I think too. Um, this is probably the first time you get a real personal conversation between these two characters, you know, with Leia and Luke. And, um, I really didn't think about that till recently. And, and Jerry wrote in his notes too, Leia really remembers Padme through the force rather than 
you know, a physical, you know, representation of what his mother, of what her mother was, which I think is, um, kind of beautiful. Yeah. And, um, the reveal of, of Luke saying that he is his father, you know, I have to face him. And Leia says, well, why? He is my father. And I love this next line, how he's like, you know, you're the, you're the Alliance's only hope if I die. And he says, you, you know, and he's, you know, you have that power, you have a power I don't understand and could never have, which is really so cool because it parallels what we see in TLJ of her floating through the air. And it says, uh, you're wrong, Leia, you have that power too. In time, you will learn to use it as I have. The force is strong in my family. My father has it, I have it, and my sister has it. And it takes a second. Yes, it's you, Leia. And, you know, and Leia's realization is not like, oh my gosh, Luke, no way. It's like, Yes, I know. Somehow I've always known. And I think it's just beautiful. I think it's so beautifully done. And what it could imply for the overall saga is very, very awesome to see this interaction finally occur. Um, Brad, do you have any, any words you want to bring up in regards to this scene in particular? Um, I think you hit the nail on the head. The only other thing I'd add is, you know, those lines in particular. How awesome was it that we got that as part of the Force Awakens oh, trailer the best. for the second trailer at yes. Celebration in 20, uh, 2015? Mm-hmm. So that was really cool to hear that that line uttered. And again, like, you know, we were wondering, oh, who is he talking mm-hmm. about? You have that power, too. Like, who could that be? Is it Ray? Is she a Skywalker? <laughs> and that was the whole thing. But obviously, she's not a Skywalker. Right. But uh, just to get that, get those lines muttered again. I got. I remember getting people were getting very excited when that whole uh, the whole debacle happened. Yes. So good times, nostalgia. It's it's awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Jerry, anything you want to say about that scene in particular? Uh, I don't know, man. Just like you've been saying, it's it's so beautiful, and I love it. it really. Uh, it really drives home the point that Leia does have the Force too, yes. because she does. She, no, you know, I've always known. Uh, again, you know, I wrote that she remembers Padme through the Force. It, you know, we uh, watching chronologically, we know that uh, Padme dies in childbirth, yes. so they don't get to know their mom and. Uh, it, it just to me, it's kind of uh, a beautiful. Uh, I love that Leia's connection to the Force is very. Um, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it's very uh, like uh, 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 empathetic yeah. and stuff. Like she, it's she more emotional. Other people, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she's more emotionally connected to the Force. Uh, to where like that's. I don't know. I just I feel like. That's got to be like the reason why, because I think we have in canon. I don't think I think Brie Organa makes it all the way to a New Hope, if I'm remembering I correctly in canon. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think it, there's a one of the a certain point of view from, from a certain point of view. Mm-hmm. It's Eclipse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's which worst. Is, uh, heart wrenching story I've ever read. <laughs> that is a heart wrenching story. If you if you guys want a good cry, go right now and look up Eclipse. Uh, and uh, from a certain point of view, and just both. Oh wait, that because is a it, sad one. I do yep. remember that now. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot of sad ones at the beginning of that one. Um, my goodness, but uh, I really just I, I love, and they've kind of made the point of like you know after a new hope, Leia goes to like uh, she takes Evan Verlaine, you mm-hmm. know, and to save some of the Alderanian people, she ends up going to uh, Naboo for a little bit, and then even in the uh, after Return of the Jedi, she ends up going back to Naboo, and she kind of sees, like, little things of Padme, yeah. and kind of knows, like, 
has like a sense of I, I know who that is. Yeah. And stuff. Like, yeah. So I just I, I think that's just kind of always been Leia's thing. She's very empathetic. She's very her connection to the force, like I, we were saying, is a very emotional one. It is. So Ian has done so beautifully to really just drive that whole thing uh home. Well, I think it kind of parallels to the TLJ conversation of like, you know, they're 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 just brother and sister and, and it's it's an emotional bond. It's not so much a uh, it's emotional and spiritual, but it's not so much a, a friendship bond. It's very interesting. You never see a, a an interaction of like, oh, we're buddies. No, it's more like I've I care for you, but I don't care for you in a in a in a love in like a, a sexualized or loving kind of way. It's more of like a we're we're in this together. We got We got to fight the greater fight. And um, you see that in TLJ. You know, it's like he's like you know they're still good in him. You know, and they're they're so worried about Ben and what. What that might imply later is very important. Um, this same conversation is almost, in its own weird way, replicated again when when Luke and Vader discuss, you know, um, what they discuss in particular. Uh, so let's jump to that real quick. Um, I love this, and it didn't dawn to me while I was just watching it, but when Luke and Vader are talking, after Luke turns himself to the Empire, uh, he's not intimidated at all. Like, he's not scared at all of mm. Vader. It's so cool. It's so powerful visually. And um, the line that Vader says, the Emperor has been expecting you. And then, um, of course, Luke responds with, I've accepted the truth that you were once Anakin Skywalker, my father. And uh, I think it's so cool because it's all about, Luke is like the whole time like hammering home, like, no, you are still Anakin, like no matter what, like hammering that he's still a good person. There's still good in you. And it really kind of parallels... Han and Leia's discussion in TFA, talking about the good in him, quote unquote. It seemed it's kind of cool that that it's kind of riffed on in this movie in particular, and then TFA takes it to a different level. Um, this one next line is very impressive. I must obey my master. I will not turn. Then you will be forced to kill me. You know, um, I love that Vader will not. You know, I, I'm sorry. I, I must obey my master. It's just you see that Vader's now way more of a follower than he is a leader. In this movie in particular, you know, um, you know, it is too late for me, son, is another line. So I think it's interesting, you know. Yeah, that's like the first line where he really shows yes. or acknowledges any sort of weakness. Yes, yes. Which yeah. is very telling. It's because very telling. It more tells you that he's not turning because he he's not willing. It's just he feels he can't. Exactly. Yeah. He wants to. He just feels he can't. It's too late for me. It doesn't matter what I do. It's huge. You know, so that just goes to show you. I think that was the only thing Luke needed to hear to be like, all right, we got him. Like, <laughs> he's still in there. Well, like, he just showed his cards and uh, we, we got the winning hand. Absolutely. Yeah, Jerry, you bring up a very, very good point because this, this conversation seems Luke d- did a great job. He planted that seed in Vader. He's like, no, you're Anakin. Like, no matter what you say, you're still Anakin Skywalker. And Vader really doesn't attack her. Or, like, show his evilness in this sequence. He's just like, no, I mean, you're going to be, you're going to, you know, the Emperor's going to be your master and stuff. It's just how it's going to be. But Anakin's, I mean, sorry, Luke is so much more straightforward. And, like, think about Anakin, like, prequel Anakin talking to his son. How, like, crazy that thought is. Like, that's the same man in that suit. You tend to, we tend to think Vader and Anakin are such different characters. But they're pretty much one and the same in their own regard. But um, Jerry, you wrote something absolutely beautiful in the notes. Let me make sure you see it. It's that little highlighted section I just I just have on here. Right. Well, it's like after 
you know, he, he says it's too late for me and all that, and, and uh, Luke has that just real line of, well, then my father is truly dead. Uh, you just see the... I, I feel like you could... Good on you, David Prowse, I guess, for <laughs> being able to sit and look at it, but it just, it just really feels like that's Anakin after the elevator door closes. Yeah. You can almost see like a facade like fall... Uh, from Vader, and he's like, he's not Vader anymore. He's like sitting there, like, what the heck am I doing? Yeah, what what have I become? Like, I it's it's almost like the scales fall from his eyes, mm-hmm. and he can see for the first time, almost like the, I, I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. I'm about to turn over my only son. Yeah, uh, right. To this to this man who is uh, brutalized and and uh, just or made my life terrible. Yeah, and then just, 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 yeah. Someone who has like kept me in anger and fear for tw- like two or three decades, mm-hmm. almost. You know? um, yeah, it's just, it, it's, I don't know. It's kind of a beautiful moment of, like you said, the, clarity. We get that first there, Brad, where he's, he's like, you know, it's too late for me, son. And then just that last final brutal line of, my father's truly dead. Oh. You, it really, it's um, you can tell. I never noticed until this. Uh, viewing, trying to really analytically watch this, that, like, you just see it, it's, I don't know, his shoulders kind of, like, slump. Yeah, it's, it he's does. Just, he's Vader. It's, it's Anakin Skywalker not sure of himself again. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Doesn't know what he should do. Stuck with a choice, and he's always stuck between a choice. Should I do this? Should I tell Obi-Wan? Should I, should I join the Emperor? What am I doing? Who am I? It's just this identity crisis that Vader innately has, and it's, it's, it's it's very hard to watch in terms of the saga because it's it's kind of a sad sequence. It's very beautiful, Jerry. Didn't think about it from that way, you know, that much depth. Um, yeah, sometimes I have beautiful thoughts. So. Anyone have any any <laughs> last any anything they want to state before we move on to the great battle of uh, Return of the Jedi? Yeah. Okay. No, cool. I think I'm think I'm good. So this next, I'm ready to get into this three way battle. So man. how I have it sequenced, yeah. I don't want to have to jump back and forth between ground, air, and you know, uh, personal Jedi <laughs> battle. So I have a segment for, for our listeners. George Lucas, we are not. Yes. So. I have a segment in, in regards to <laughs> yeah, it's very, what very happens in each, uh, <laughs> Jerry. Hey, just, just, just keep reading. Wait, hi, did George just, Lucas join our Skype yes. call? Uh, yeah. Hi. Hi. Um, Wait, uh, who let him I in? just bought a new pair of kids today and, uh, I, I just, yes. uh, I'm feeling really saucy. Uh, uh so, well, oh, it's a collider deep fake. Yeah. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I'm leaving. Don't get angry, guys. Don't get angry. Um, well, in re- I'm actually quite happy. <laughs> I like that. The Gungans, the Gungans make me happy. Um, the Nebu. Can use a few more Gungans. Uh, one thing I want to bring up too about this battle: there's three huge cuts that happens each time. It's like between Earth, ground. I mean, ground, space, and and personal. So I don't. I want to kind of avoid having to jump. So we're just going to stick to each segment in the battle, starting with the ground battle. Um, I noticed upon this reviewing in 4K HD watching it, the Stormtrooper helmets are so different. Like the black mouths. I don't know if I'm a fan of them. Um, and I love how easily this this plan gets followed by Han and Leia. But the, the saving grace, of course, is the Ewoks in this segment. Um, uh, <laughs> I like how Rex shows up, uh, which is a great retcon. That's like a positive retcon in the community. You know, like... Yeah. I mean, there's... Yeah, I would agree with that. 
there's, you know, I think some people are like, well, you know, I think that's like a white guy or something. And I, I understand. I don't know. It, it just really. It looks like him. I really love. It really looks like an older Tamara Morrison. It does. It's like, it looks like Rex from from Rebels for yeah. sure. Uh, Nick Nick Van Zant or. Uh, uh, which sounds like a, the a lead singer for, uh, uh, you know, uh, an 80s <laughs> rock band. But uh, I don't know, man. It could be Nick Van Zant if you want, but I, I just really like that it, it that's Rex yeah. right there. We know. Yeah. Yeah. We know he was there. And Hera. Uh, which is, yeah. Oof, that's a story. I think it's another, like another moment, too, where Star Wars fans can take things too seriously. It's like, you know what? This is a movie about space wizards. That can be Rex if you want it to be. If you don't yeah. want it to be Rex, it doesn't have to be. Right. Exactly. But, you know, just let it be what, what it needs to be. So I like the fact that it's Rex, and I love the fact that, you know, Rebels continues. I don't, I mean, I don't want to spoil Rebels, but just the fact that it has some sort of lasting legacy within the, the Star Wars universe and many of the characters that we, we grow to love do have some sort of continued story like a Rex. Yeah. And I think he was actually in forces of destiny. I think one of those shorts, we yes. did actually see the armored Rex with the Endor armor. I actually think he was interacting with Leia and wicket or That's maybe, awesome. a, yeah. another character. I feel like that happened. I just can't remember off the top of my head. I, I think you're right. Also, if you, whenever to jump to the end of this, almost the end of this uh, ground battle, when the tides kind of almost turned. It's actually right before the uh, the Ewoks joined the battle. Yeah, yeah. And they've kind of the rebels and stuff. You'll notice that guy is wearing stormtrooper armor, and, and you can see the beard. I'm like, that's 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 Rex, man. Yes, that's Rex. I'm wearing this junk armor. You yeah, know? like it's. I just I don't know. That's that's just such a cool thing. Um, Plus, Brad, like you said, the not to spoil Rebels, but it definitely has an impact on the galaxy, and I love that it's just like, you know, we see the shot of that, what is probably just the same model of ship, but you know what, to me, if they reveal it or not, I'm just going to say that's the ghost, because why wouldn't they exactly. be there? Rise of Skywalker. Um, yeah, and why do you put that... <laughs> Why do you put that ship in the trailer right there where it is if it's not the right ghost? You know, everyone's the seeing it. Right? 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 It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah like I, I don't know, baby. Well, <laughs> yeah, um, so you know, I, choppers and they're going like, whoop, 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 whoop. It's going crazy. Dave He's like, this shit again, really? Stuff from, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Like we had Endor, we had Scarif. We're done with battles, hair. We're done. <laughs> no more. I want to go home. <laughs> well, awesome. well, one thing I want to bring up too is people forget you do see an ATST in the Battle of Hoth, though it's not quite as present. I love yeah. the ATST in these sequences in particular. It fits the scenery. It's perfect. And I mean, I'm sure it sold a lot of toys, but um, especially what we saw in chapter four of the Mando, <laughs> ATST is a pretty bad, pretty beast. I'm not going to lie. I know it's kind of a spoiler, but I mean, that is, yeah. a, that, I mean, it's in the Legos. You would have, you should have <laughs> seen it by now. It's, it's in the Legos, but like yeah. it is, uh, that is some cool stuff what they do with it. It's much scarier in the Mando than it's scarier in here. It's getting taken up by teddy bears in this one. Oh, yeah. But um, I love that 3PO... Hey, those are murder bears, man. Those are murder, murder bears. bears. You're okay. right. I'm sorry. I love that 3PO is kind of the diversion for the sequence. And I do love how George's take on this is how it's like a, it's kind of Vietnam guerrilla warfare. You know, like the, the, the less um, armored people are the ones that are the victors. You know, the people that know the environment better. That's what all war really is. If you know your environment better, you're automatically the winner. And the Ewoks... 
even though they're, they're, they're murder bears, murder teddy bears, they are far more advanced in regards to how to handle the environment than the stormtroopers are. And I think it's a, it's something that people can often overlook, but that's a, that's a pretty strong statement. If I'm going to say so myself, you know, very politically uh, charged home field advantage. Oh yeah. Yeah, man. Well, Hey, if you're not scared of Ewoks, then may I suggest you go play Battlefront 2 Ewok hunt? <laughs> get terrified out of your ever-loving mind. I mean, seriously, those things are, are horrifying when you see them coming at you. I mean, come on, even though it's in the dark, yeah. you know, but uh, I don't know, those things. And even just watching this, I'm like, yeah, they're teddy bears, but just look at the the, the, the faces on those things. That's like kind of freaky when you really think about it when you're growing up. It's like... Five Nights at Freddy's teddy bears, you know. Or <laughs> yeah. Some of some of them are a little wonky looking, yeah. but uh, you know, Wicked, Wicked, our, our boy Wicked, our boy Wicked. And there's cute. a ton of Ewoks that are just super. Anyway, they're on the battle. So I'm gonna, I digress. I digress. Um, I love that R2 in this sequence as well tries to save the day, but then he gets shot. <laughs> it's like it's like it's uh, generally not what happens to R2, and this is like the first time you're like, oh damn, he can get shot too. You know, like he like gets shot and slings back and is. <laughs> His little chest plate opens up and it's like shaking. Um, but uh, Scotty, which speaking you to your point the... earlier, Scotty, huh? about the sound effects of R2, this is one of his signature ones. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Return of the Jedi, where we hear the uh, the overload of R2. Yes. Yeah. You know, love that. Great one. What would you want to say, Jerry? All I was going to say was, you know, you're watching the special editions kind of for the first time. This is almost this very special for me. You really react to these things for the first time but uh what did you think about the whole i think it's a 2011 edition actually it wasn't in the 97 edition uh what did you think of that blu-ray edition of all of those different like oh uh, the gap- weird ones yeah they really added a whole bunch of stuff yeah. popping out of him the so. original had of course the chest plates opening up his head pieces opening up and i think like three or four things popping out his little arm popping out in the original version i watched but it didn't really. It didn't. That didn't sour me. And there's a lot of things I will bring up later okay. that didn't. That didn't really hurt my feelings as much because I'm a soy boy, um, apparently from our YouTube comments. Um, <laughs> hey man, give me that soy. <laughs> that soy man. That's, that's some good. I, you know what? I'm more of an almond milk kind of guy myself. <laughs> uh, know, with that being it said, it, um, it then cuts to the Ewok being shot and like, I wrote in the notes, um, Ewok's death is still super hard to watch. John Williams' music doesn't help, and it's a tragedy of war. I mean, that's really what it implies. And, and like, I mean, as a kid, I was like, that's dense. Like, I was little and thinking that's pretty sad. That poor little friend, a little furry guy just lost his friend and was like, goes back for him, and his friend, like, doesn't move. And then he, like, hovers over him and cries. It's brutal. Yeah, it's not even it's not even the fact that just an Ewok dies and just lays there. It's that there's one that's still alive and goes like grabs his hand. It's like, come on, let's go. And he doesn't move. He goes back and just decides like, I guess I'm just gonna die here with you oh. because I see, Brad. I see you shaking your head, man. It's horrible. I can't even be involved in this discussion. I'm gonna have to go <laughs> take a break, cry break. <laughs> it's it's horrible, man. Like George Lucas, you you evil mastermind, you. Are you trying to do to all these kids, man? Um, I like after this sequence, Han and Leia's team up, you know, and then Leia gets shot. And I love how worried Han is. It really kind of shows that character development there. You know, he's so worried about her. And uh, Jerry always writes in his notes the chew- the chewy Tarzan yell that's thrown in this movie. But then is used <laughs> in Revenge of the Sith, and it's not it's not stupid. I think it's pretty kind of. Yeah. 
And really? I didn't even write it like as a, I just think it's funny to like remember these yeah. things sometimes and go like this this is I mean this is pure like I said Saturday morning fun you know it's like we got our bowl of cereal we're just watching Chewy like swing on a vine yeah. with some Ewoks yeah. to his belt you know yeah like, <laughs> yeah I mean Star Wars can be ridiculous yes there's so much to dig underneath the surface with the mythological storytelling and and we can't get very serious about it, but at the end of the day, it's just as as silly as this moment. Totally. I'm glad you brought this up. Something I often don't think about, but looking at it in the notes, I'm like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, and like they, they totally threw that in to like make the adults laugh too. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. Probably watching there were Saturday morning uh, uh serials of, of Tarzan, I believe, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. Black and white stuff. Like that that's like like, oh ha, he's swinging on a vine, it's Tarzan. So yeah, <laughs> yeah you know. Uh, we love this saga for the deep, the deep mythological stuff, like you said, Brad. But man, this I I love the weirdness. We love the weirdness and the funny stuff too. Yeah, so. no. Um, give us more weird Star Wars. Well, yes, please. More. Well, Bando's pr- bringing that pretty hard with the Suka stuff. Like that was like weird, <laughs> weird. But uh, we'll see that. That'll be brought up Save later. Save her bombad bounty, sir. Save her bombad bounty. We will. We will. We we will. Um, <laughs> this next part's so gr- incredible. I love the I love you. I know reverse. It's so good. It's so Lawrence Kasdan, yes. so bookend. It's clever. Um, and after that sequence, of course, they plant the debt. They de- they plan the charges, which I think I wrote down. Maybe it's not in the notes right now, but I wrote it down. But it kind of parallels when Chewie and Han plant the charges for the last time on another base later. Rip. Um, that's a hard, still hard to watch. That actually is harder than his death. Like, like the, Scotty. they're like, we'll, we'll reconvene here or whatever he says. We'll meet right. We'll meet up right here. Detonator. It's like just telegraphing <laughs> that it's going to happen. Oh. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, I'll meet you back here. I like, Hey, Chewie, just want to let you know for no reason in general. I love yeah, you, man. Exactly. <laughs> Detonator. Um, <laughs> um, I love that Han at, after that sequence, you know, he's like, I'm sure Luke wasn't on that thing when it blew and. You know, Leia says he he wasn't. I can feel it, and it's that same force bond from kind of a different perspective. And uh, I yes. love that Han is so jealous mm-hmm. and he doesn't understand. And then you know, Leia clears it up right after that. Jerry wrote in his notes how he kind of like, huh? Like he kind of like, well, wait a second. <laughs> He goes through like a, a cornucopia of emotions <laughs> while she's kissing. It's hilarious because his eyes just go from like confusion to I'm really trying to put this together. Like you can see like the the gif yeah. of like the map being yeah. done in like Galifianakis's head when he's counting cards and stuff. And he's just then he's just like, oh hey, well, whatever, man. Yeah. Uh, she. I won, so it's great. It's great. <laughs> it's just that that's such a great range of emotions. I, I friggin' love Harrison. I mean, I know he's checked out for most of this movie, but it's still even at his most checked out, he's still good. It, so. it is awesome. Right. Um well then to move on to the battle sequence, space battle part. Um I wrote in my notes, and I don't know if y'all have the same sentiment. Um the Battle of Scarif and Rogue One did a great job. But I think this is still the best space battle sequence. And we, we need something we need this. And I think we're going to get it in The Rise of Skywalker, but I think we need this, but, like, ten times the richness of, of like, unbelievableness and, like, you know, how intense it was in the, the music. It's just, like, mm, 
<laughs> I don't see how long you'll go. Right? God, it's <laughs> so good. It's so good. It's so delicious. Um, no, uh, well, you know, I think JJ saw watched this and the beginning of Revenge of the Sith and 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 thought, you know, what would be even better in this space wars. Yeah. So, uh, no, yeah, that's, I think that's all happening in atmosphere and stuff. But it's looking like we are going to get something. Oh, yeah. At least impressive. So more impressive than yeah. Yet. I think JJ's slipping in here and saying, hold my beer, you know? Totally. I hope so. Mm-hmm. And I do think this will definitely, well, what's going to happen in the rise of Skywalker will definitely mirror the final sequence in this mm-hmm. movie in some case, because you're going to have, you know, Ben and Ray fighting Palpatine at the same time. And then you have the entire resistance fleet going up against the first order. Yeah. And then you kind of have that side mission like Han, Leia on Endor, but with Janna <laughs> and Finn and their Orbacks on the star mm-hmm. destroyer. So, you kind of have these three teams, this three team sequence happening at the same time. So I do think we're going to get that kind of storytelling to, yeah. you know, I, when you think about two hours and 20 minutes and fitting all this together, it makes the most sense from a editing and cutting perspective, totally. which excites me. But then I got to wonder, you know, what's the larger looming threat? My current speculative theory is, you know, there will be some massive force event that Palpatine's trying to ensue rather than the super weapon. Mm-hmm. But watching this today on on uh, return of the jedi i was like wow i can't wait to get this in a month oh. but like in a more digitized version yeah. and like with way better special <laughs> yeah, effects yeah. and the characters i've come to love in the sequel trilogy and it's just going to be so incredible in the music i I'd, like you yeah. said i hope we get a similar uh, theme it's just it's going to be the final hurrah moment for john williams to just throw out all the punches well, with that being said too brad i i, I also tend to think like in regards to the time this movie was released as well, this is still unbelievably impressive. Just like, it's yeah. like, I'm watching it. I'm like, how the hell did they make those models like turn and move <laughs> when they did? I mean, I know it's all motion, you know, motion yeah, capturing, yeah. but like, it's still, it's like so fluent in the Falcon, like soaring between. It's like, it blows me away every time. It holds, I, up. It holds up. It 100% it's, holds It's up, like so the well. Battle of Naboo. It's like still that good. You know what I mean? It's like, it's yeah. just yeah, visually. Yeah. And that's one thing that has to be stated. Space battles in Star Wars, though it's a staple of it, we haven't really had a really good one since the Battle of Naboo. Actually, yeah. I'm going to be real with you. TLJ. Battle of Coruscant. TLG ha- TLJ yeah. had a, a little bit of what you would consider, but I don't I, The Force Awakens, I wouldn't even really... More of a dog fight, but the Battle of Naboo was like the last yeah. like epic, huge space battle. I don't know. Well, the, like you were saying, uh, Brad, the the Battle of Coruscant, yeah, was like insane. Yeah, but yeah. but I'm thinking strictly like fighters like flying around each other and going crazy. You oh, know what yeah, I mean? They were kind of just like flying through yeah. like, the chaos yeah. of, of the Battle of Coruscant. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, there's some cool canon things that Jerry wrote in here. Uh, how Nora Wexley's in the fleet and how the fleet comes together. and uh, Specifically when uh, they're flying through the superstructure yeah. and, uh, uh, man, let me get really uh, nerdy and technical. They're flying through the superstructure. Uh, <laughs> and what's it? They say, uh, hey, break off and see if you can get a few of those ties to follow you. There's like an A-wing pilot yeah. and a Y-wing. We know Nora Wexley is a oh, Y-wing so pilot. Good. That that she's that white. It, it's only I remember this time I counted. It was only the two of them: the A wing and that yeah, white wing. Yeah, that's it. Dude and and Nora Wexley. Oh, it's awesome. Uh, 
split off there, which is kind of just a cool... It's cool just even... It means nothing to no one else, but if you've read the Aftermath series yeah. and, and uh, spoilers for uh, Resistance Reborn, um, if you love the character of Nora Wexley, I mean, it's just really cool to know that that's her yeah. right there. Totally. Yeah. yeah, and let's remember, too, in that space battle, Poe Dameron's mom, Shara Bay, is in there. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's man. pretty Wait, cool. I mean, Was she the one or was it Nora? I thought it was... Well, Nor is in there too. They're both in there, right, so right. you got you got both. So, oh, so actually, Shara Bay, I believe, was either in the space battle or on the ground in Endor, but she is involved in this battle somehow. Well, then, she was she was in the space battle. She's an A wing pilot, I think, if I remember. Yeah, I think she helps Han Solo though liberate some of the the bunker right. Imperial bunkers after the Death Star blows up. Right, but Kef that's Dameron, a pretty cool thing to think about. Was on the ground with Han, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's so cool to think that. So, right. like, Poe Dameron's going to be fighting the good fight, you know, like 30-some years <laughs> yeah. later, the same fight his mom fought. Oh, and man. I don't know if we'll have any sort of acknowledgement of that, but who knows? I don't know. Maybe he'll, like, maybe he'll, like, pick up his wedding ring that he's got around his neck and kiss it and say, this one's for you, Mom, well, or something. Yeah. Like, one thing I will bring up. People don't like it when we talk about moms in Star no, Wars, though, so sorry. No. Oh, yeah. um, Inferno yeah, Squad was <laughs> also at the Battle of Endor, which is also a really cool thing to think about as well. That they were on the ground. And that's, There's a lot of crazy I love that. connections there. Um, but anyway, back to the canon stuff. We get uh, Wedge being Red Leader. I love that. I mm-hmm. love that. Um, and then Neonub and Lando having a thing uh, in that whole entire sequence is really awesome. And... Um, one thing I thought was cool was uh, that I think in The Rise of Skywalker, based on what I've like really zoomed in on the cockpit of that sequence of when the Falcon first pulls up, we are going to get Lando and Chewie now leading the, the great ending battle of what we think is going to be the end of The Rise of Skywalker. Um, so uh, I think that's very, very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What is that movie even going to be? I don't know. Anyway, continue we're about to just we've been like speculating this whole time so. yeah no um so i i love the you know it's a trap comes after this and uh i wrote wedge is the goat i guess i like wedge way more now than i did before but wedge being in uh wedges wedges always been the goat yeah man. no um wedge but in particular this you know him after reading um resistance reborn is just like uh it's just so much better i don't know um yeah, it, it adds a lot more weight to that character for it sure. It does, and uh, I think it's so cool how they set up how the Star Destroyers are really waiting for something, and I like how it's kind of brought up to through dialogue. It adds a lot of drama to me, and adds a lot of weight. You know, it's like I don't know why there's so many Star Destroyers not moving and just waiting over there. It's amazing. I think it's really, really cool. But um, yeah, it it it's set up through dialogue, and then all of a sudden you get the the space laser ignition, you know, that whole sequence again from, from a new hope with the pulling the thing and the, and then boom and blast. And like the one cool thing, and it, it kind of looks silly and campy, but I like Nia Numb's eyes when that part happens. It's like, Whoa. Like <laughs> he's like, Whoa. Yeah. You know what's so mind blowing about that too is like, you guys know that's like a hand puppet, right? Yes. Like someone was controlled. Dude in a suit. I never knew that until like this year. Like how in the world, is that Muppet, like, looking that good? I don't know. That's, that's just crazy. Yeah, it's, it is amazing. Um, uh, I think it's – there's a lot of tension in this space battle sequence 
And I, I love that it's kind of re- relieved when Han destroys the shield. And um, the scene, the feeling of the whole entire space battle, like, really changes once that 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 uh, that area is blown up. You know, it, it like it goes from feeling kind of hopeless, like Admiral Akbar's like, we got to get out of here. This is and, 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 you know, Lando's like, this is it. This is like our only chance. Like, you know, we, we got to stay. It's, it's really kind of cool. You don't see we haven't had anything really like that in Star Wars in a long time. Like. That tension being uh, one side of the battle is not working out. The other one's working out great. It's I hope we see something like that again. Um, but um, the suicide crash is one thing I wanted to bring up real quick, too. That is such a cool moment into the Super Star Destroyer. And then the whole thing goes down. You would think that it would be saved somehow else. But yeah, destroying the bridge is pretty significant, I guess. <laughs> what do you all think of that? That guy is the true hero of the rebellion. Legit. Often overlooked. Yes. Definitely. Very much overlooked, for sure. Yeah, yeah. That was, man, that, that is just such a cool scene. And, and uh, you know, God rest uh, Piet's soul, I yes. guess. Uh, <laughs> like, Admiral Piet, man, he was he, he was at least good for Vader, you know. Uh, he, he was able to avoid getting imaginary choked. Yeah, uh, so. definitely. Yeah, good, good on him. Um, he just couldn't, uh, he couldn't uh, evade that, uh, that little... <laughs> No. Uh, <laughs> Straight to the windshield. Um, so. And the one thing I will say is while they're traveling through the, the superstructure of the the Death Star, I, I really didn't take that many notes on it, but I do think the second explosion of this one is way more satisfying. Like, there's a lot more payoff. Like, I love the dogfight and, and the trench run and A New Hope, but I think, like, in the grand scheme of things, there's so much more payoff of, like, what it implies. Because this seems like the true end of the of the Empire after this sequence, you know? Um mm. Some more gratuitous, like long, yeah. you know, long shots of the explosion. Yeah, for sure. definitely. It's like, we really that thing yeah, <laughs> it's like really gone. But the cool thing is the the fragments of the planet, you know, are are now, as we know, being spread across that whole little system. So hopefully, we'll get some more oh, answers. Man. I know it, it's really <laughs> kind of cool because in that in that in this version of the movie, it's not quite an explosion; it's just a puff of you know, like bright light. You know, it's not it's not like a I mean, I guess it is an explosion. It's, yeah, it's like a firework. It's more, it's, it's, it's not, you wouldn't think there's any remnant of anything left after that. But Battlefront 2 actually kind of dives into that before the Rise of Skywalker did. You know, they're, they're flying through it and it's all destroyed structures of it. So, Brad, do you have something to say? Right. I want to ask you guys a, I want to <laughs> ask you guys a question. I want to settle this debate right okay, now. Okay, here we go. What all the right. hell is the name of this planet? I know it's called the Forest Moon of Endor, and but in the Rise of Skywalker, we're getting this new planet called Kef Beer, yeah, which is where the Death Star remnants are on. Yeah. So is Kef or Kef Burr? I think it's called. Is Kef Burr the Moon of Endor, and Endor is actually a different planet? Because this is like Ooh. a long debate I've been having hmm. with people of like, what is well, is it Endor or the Forest Moon of a planet called Endor that they're on? It's definitely the Forest Moon of Endor, but but what is? The, I, it is funny that they're just like it's the Forest Moon of Endor. It must not. I don't know. It, it, does it have a name, or is it almost just like so inconsequential, and that's why well, the Empire chose there? Because <laughs> they, you know, it's like no, no one's even going to look for this place. It doesn't even have a name, you know. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe it'll be revealed in this. Maybe it's a uh, uh, Kef whiskey or something. You know. <laughs> well, so. one thing I will say is if you if you look and you right after the explosion happens, the Falcon flies off screen. It's going towards the fleet. The fleet is over a green planet. That has a very big oceanic uh, area. So, like, 
I I don't know if it's the you know what I mean. Wait, 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 wait! What you talking about, Scotty? I gotta watch this oh, again. Go, go! Literally, dude, I'm kid you not. Watch after the Death Star explosion. They fly back towards the fleet very briefly. It's maybe like a a half a second shot, and I can I can actually once we're done tonight, I will screenshot it and send it to you. But you see, like what appears to be some sort of lake <laughs> structure. You know, they're flying. It looks like they're flying right. towards it in its own weird way. So. Uh, it could be some sort of weird linguistics thing, how you say, like, you know, the county of X. Yes. Like, when you're talking about right. your local counties. Right. So maybe it's, like, the forest moon of Endor. But it's Endor, right. but it's it's kind of weird. But I'm just wondering, you know, how Kef Beer fits in all this, speaking of the remnants of the Death Star, and that's the planet they're going to be on. So I don't know. So, it's just kind of cool that we're getting some more planets in that system, if that is the case. Yes. And Endor is a separate thing. And right. a new planet. Exactly. No, um... And then I guess to, to tie this whole little sequence up, I, I'm well, I guess to answer your question, Brad, I think Indoor is Kefbeer or the, the forest mood of Indoor is Kefbeer. I don't know. I, I would say that is going to be the case. If they were to retcon anything, that would be pretty uh, straightforward. But the only issue is when I'm playing the old Star Wars games, it's like Indoor and it's that. It's that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or like <laughs> yeah. even in, maybe even in, I was in Battlefront two for 2017's version they might even say we're on indoor so i don't know i need to look into that yeah. now that's interesting hmm, maybe i'm on the fence sorry <laughs> i thought i'd give you a, a straightforward answer but now i'm like really <laughs> thinking about it interesting um, <laughs> from a certain point of view yeah you know, obviously yeah, if it makes you feel any better it doesn't keep me up at night but you know that, right. that's the good thing we don't know that it might. <laughs> um one thing we need to jump into is to me one of the biggest scenes in the original trilogy um, you can often credit the um, "No, I am your father" as a huge scene, but in regards to the character development of Luke and the character development of of Vader as well, and the redemption of our 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 once fallen hero, um, this throne room sequence of Palpatine and Luke and Vader is like absolutely pivotal and probably one of my favorite things to discuss in terms of Star Wars. Um, I just want to, before we even jump into the conversation, I know it's mentioned earlier, but we got to mention it again. We will get this same exact set, but destroyed in The Rise of Skywalker. Like, that's a thousand percent confirmed. How freaking big yep. It's so cool. That is so cool. I'm sorry. That is like incredible. I never would have thought a day in my life as a little kid that we get anything quite like that. It's amazing. It is amazing with like, especially with what the the sequel trilogy hasn't. They've been like really like dealing with the heavy burden of the past, but there's they haven't really put a whole bunch of nostalgia. Like here we are, we're going back to this planet, or we're going back to this, uh, which is totally fine. I've loved all the yeah. new stuff we've got. But it is kind of neat that yeah, we're going back to this really pivotal uh, spot yes. for the guy. Also, again, shout out to that amazing leather on Palpatine's chair that, that never burns. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you bring up a good point. It's kind of poetic that we're going to return to a to what appears to be another pivotal area of the Skywalker saga. And uh, we mentioned how Palpatine's little conference room is his little his little um, I guess his, his chambers really um, in regards to where he confronts Mason Anakin. It's a very powerful scene it's and it's a it's a three-way scene just like this one is also a three-way scene and like i'd imagine in the rise of skywalker we might get another three-way scene so you know um i think that's huge like i think it's humongous as in regards to the storytelling and paralleling all storytelling in these 
third chapters of these trilogies. Um, I love that, pal. But yeah, and I guess if we're talking about redemption too, that room has a certain oh, quality does it? to uh, take a dark Skywalker boy and turn him back towards the light. Just saying. Exactly. <laughs> no, you bring up a good point. Is, that is a very good point. Very good. And point. I, I think it's significant that you know his grandson standing in his father, where his father grandfather stood. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. like that is really cool when you put it in that context, whether or not you're a pro or anti bendemption But the fact that he's in that same room and could potentially have some sort of revelation about his ancestry and what really happened yeah. in that room. Maybe that's what they're talking about. Maybe Ray's telling him, hey, in this very spot, your grandfather became Anakin oh, Skywalker. Again. That would be you good. can become Ben Skywalker Great. from Kylo Ren. Oh, you know, so that kind of conversation God. is what I like the level of dialogue I hope from this mm-hmm. scene. And right. And just it'll it'll be so so. Even good. if we don't I'm get it, so even if we this. don't get it, it'll still be a scene that that is remembered because of the of the implication yeah. of that room. I never thought about it from that way. Man, this is I'm just dying to see this movie. It, it's only what 18 days from now. <laughs> I, I can't believe it. It's so yep. close. But it's kind of comes out like 17 oh, days. So. Man, uh, I don't even know how to function. I can't think of anything else. This, like, yeah. no, I'm trying. I I'm, I'm literally going to be dying at school tomorrow. <laughs> I'm not ready for it. Um, with that being said, um, <laughs> the guards leave us. It's kind of a parallel to the, you know, the the opera scene. Leave us, you know, and they just get up and they're like, okay, yes, sir, we'll leave you. Uh, yeah. um, now I love this. Uh, I did mention this Luke Vader and Emperor Palpatine being like a trio that. You know, you forget how cool that is, and maybe we'll see it again. Uh, it's always been Anakin and it's always been Anakin and Palpatine, and then a, another edition of a person. So it's cool. Um, your overconfidence is your weakness. Your faith in your friends is yours. You know, or that's that's a that's a mm, that's a kind of a good wreck, Palpatine. I'm not gonna lie. He has so much faith. Anakin. I mean, I'm sorry. Luke really does have so much faith that his friends are gonna win, but that might not be the case, and it actually isn't the case until. Some clever trickery happens, and it's the Ewoks that end up saying thing of the day. Which did Palpatine plan for that? Because he is a master planner. You know, is was he ready for the Ewoks to rise up? Even though he's a master planner, he also—I mean—you constantly see that guy having a like. He's just a good tap dancer, yes. you know. Like he's like <laughs> kind of tap dancer on this situation, like uh, Padme back in the day. You need to go back to Naboo <laughs> and stuff. He's like, oh well, well uh, okay, I can make yeah. this work, you know. So, uh, yeah, you know, he's, he's, you just see, really see the overconfidence in him and, and he just really sees, uh, to me that line isn't like him, like maybe getting a good dig in it, Luke, as much as it is showing how far gone this, this person truly is, that they believe that friendship is a weakness, that, that yeah. because you care, that's, true. that's a weakness. Ooh, that's good. How dark this guy really is. Wow. I mean, this is—he is the ultimate. You know, he—he's the devil incarnate in this, uh, in this series. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, this is coming from a guy too who killed his own master. Yes. I mean, he really does not care at all, and Mm -hmm. he still doesn't care because in the trailer he says, "Your coming together will be your undoing." So, I mean, he still thinks. But to him, it's like he sees that as like, "Ah, man, now you're all in one spot. I can just like, you know." Right. I'm like, but dude, did you just see the coming together of Luke and Vader was your undoing? <laughs> yeah. like, why are you saying that? What are you missing in this formula? So that to me says he thinks he has it planned or he thinks mm-hmm. maybe Palpatine thought that orchestrating the coming together of these two characters would be their undoing. But he's missing some sort of like 
X factor from this whole equation again. Right. That's just going to be his undoing once more. Yes. So it's going to be exciting to see what that is this time around. But certainly for this, I mean, this scene, you know, Luke being so overconfident was was helpful and and because it really did lead him to the right it place did. to believe in his father and his father couldn't even we get so many shots of vader just like looking at yes. luke with no dialogue spoken which i think is very powerful and it just goes to show vader's kind of realizing like what the hell i put my boy through so much and he still mm, thinks yes. like there's good in oh, me somehow awesome. like this is saying a lot like what am i missing about myself right now and right. you know he even tells him at one point you know it's pointless to resist son Ooh. but it's i think that's him trying to be like just give up like i i can't even deal with like what's happening right now i just don't want to give into the light side again just give in yourself yeah i, I don't want to confront this and within me well mm-hmm. i want to ask all this because it's the next question i want to pose is is ray and ray and Kyler are they ready for this like, are they ready to to uh interact with Palpatine, like, are they prepared? Like, as characters, do you think they are truly ready to face this challenge that is such an evil deity and such an evil character that we know that have caused so much, um, you know, downfall in the galaxy and, and pain for a lot of people? Are they prepared to fight this guy? What do you think? Oh, man. Uh, quite honestly... I think Ray is is gonna chew this guy sideways. You know, like, I mean, I mean, just the way she even like talks back to Snoke. You know, and I mean, Snoke was we thought he was a bigger threat, but you know, clearly not. I I just am so excited to hear Ray and Kylo have interactions with Palpatine because that's just who who ever thought we were gonna get exactly. that exactly. But I don't, Ray, is, Ray is that character who is never afraid to kind of go at the darkness because she's not tempted mm-hmm. by it. So she's gonna, I just feel like she's going to call him on his bluff. Yeah. You know, like, you know, you're just a sorry old man, and I just feel really sorry for you. And then Palpatine's going to cry, and uh, <laughs> that's, that's going to be truly what ultimately saves the galaxy. So Palpatine turns. <laughs> yeah, Palpatine's like, you're right, Ray. I think it depends on what happens in the first or second act. I think if right. if Ray goes through some sort of confrontation with the dark side to understand that area yeah. of the force a little better, then she'll be more prepared. But if she doesn't acknowledge it at all, which is part of the Jedi's issues, we're completely ignoring and subduing the dark side teachings. That's what led to their downfall of somebody like Anakin Skywalker, who was getting inundated with, with it all at once. So then he turns... But if, if Ray can somehow dabble in it and learn about yeah. it, whether it's through Dark Ray or whether it's through working together with Kylo, I think she'll be ready for it. I think Kylo's definitely ready for it. I think mm. the fact that he's been through the ringer, he's killed his own father, he's killed his own master. He is I mean, he he's, how how much more can you how much more like suffering can you have? That's a good point. You know, so he's right. at like the bottom of the barrel right now and he's not I mean, there's no there's more no more area that can go down. It's only up from here, yes. I think. So he's he he's prepared for anything the emperor could throw at him. Wow! But I'm just so excited to hear Ian McDermott say Kylo Ren. Oh, <laughs> like man. that's gonna be so cool. Or Ben Solo. <laughs> but like Ben oh. Solo. Well, he'll say Kylo Ren very mockingly because that's the thing with like all these big bad guys. They want to make fun of of him for trying to yeah. have persona, right? Y'all, t- like, you have to hide behind a mask. Exactly. You know? This this yeah. ties in perfectly to the next portion, though. This is where. To me, TLJ is like a love letter to this movie and what's come before it. You know, 
it's this same exact sequence where Snoke is forcing Ray to go look out the window. Look at your friends. They're all being destroyed. What can you do about that? You know? And same thing. Palpatine's like, look at this. This is... This is your mistake. You caused this to happen. You know, I love it. It's such a good parallel. And I want to say this too. I think um, Revenge of the Sith does, you know, um, Revenge of the Sith does a lot of like characterization for Palpatine. Well, this movie kind of like wraps up a lot of what we know about Palpatine as a character. Um, I love that Luke also being angry fuels Palpatine's strength, I feel. Like his, like Palpatine, like, you can tell he's like living off of it. He's like, yes, yes, you know, be in your anger. And um, I love how Mark Campbell really does convey this so well, like this worried look. And um, one thing I want to bring up that Jerry and I brought up in the last episode as well, Mark Campbell has to do some crazy acting. Like, I don't care what anyone says. People might say he's a bad actor, but he acts with pretty much a trash can and a gold and an Oscar award for most of the first movie. Then he has to act with a puppet for the in a trash can for another part of the movie. Now he has to act with a man in a big mask suit and a man covered in makeup, like prosthetic makeup to the nines. So, like, just a real quick, I guess, rant on Mark Hamill. I think he deserves way more uh, respect towards what he had to go through in his individual scenes. But uh, I guess with that being said, um, I do love this next line. There is no escape, my young apprentice. I think we will get this line again. I think they're going to use this exact same line in The Rise of Skywalker just to, like, bring someone to the dark side or make them feel like, oh, man, he might be influencing me. You know, there is no escape, my young apprentice. It's beautiful. What do y'all think? And I think there's going to be some weird force stuff going on. Oh, with yeah. In terms of visions and possession, yes. all mm. these sorts of like really dark side things he's like pulling out. Because when you think about it, he's been looking for artifacts this whole time, and uh, that was part of his contingency yes. plan. So he's really gonna pull all of that stuff out of his hat. And I think you know there is no escape. Kind of frightens me in yes. a way when you say it in that context, because it's like there is truly no escape. Like how can you escape your own mind when your mind is turning against exactly. you? Exactly. You know, like that's the kind of like mental aspect of the force. I think he's going to use to his advantage. And that, that scares me rather than just a physical manifestation of it through, you know, Vader or lightning. Yeah. J- that kind of stuff scares well, me. Well, Jay, you have anything on that in particular? Cause I, I have something I want to say. Uh, just, well, no, just that, you know, I'm always big on harping about, uh, Palpatine uh, really putting the emphasis on the dark side being a pathway to many abilities some would yep. consider to be unnatural. That scares me. <laughs> it, that's it just really gets your mind racing. Like, what does that yeah. mean? Because uh, things being unnatural can really make you feel uh, unnerved. Oh, it can. So I'm, I'm excited to see. We are going to see the full. I think. Uh, scope of the dark side in this coming movie. But uh, that's all I really got for that well, right now. Buddy. Brad, you bring up a good Go point. You you mentioned beautifully that like he's in his head, you know, like Palpatine's like, you know, would you, you know, use, use your anger, you know? And the worst part is this is a pivotal part of Luke's role. Anakin fell completely to the dark side because he wanted to save the ones he loved. He used his anger all the way to save Padme. He used everything that he could to save Padme. Where Luke, he uses anger and burst, okay? And we know that Kylo Ren is trying to use his anger, but it's also fueled by his, 
I think his love for certain people as well. Um, and it's a weird thing to say, but like Palpatine finds a way to get inside each character's head. He kind of get into Luke's head, but only for Luke to realize something later in this battle. And so when, you know, of course, Luke kicks Vader and he kicks him on the stairs and they fight for a little bit. And he goes, I will not fight you, father. And he and he like puts his lightsaber to the side. And I love that. Vader is very sneaky as a fighter, too, in this movie. He, like, the second he puts his lightsaber down, like, he, Vader immediately ignites it and goes to strike Luke, and Luke defends himself. Um, I do love, I do love this line that Luke says to Vader, because it's very huge to me in regards to the Skywalker saga. You couldn't bring yourself to kill me before, and I don't believe you will destroy me now. It's like, it, that's pretty heavy. That's like really heavy in regards to Luke's character and how much he's realized, how much more he's matured because he has had a reflective, he's obviously had a reflective moment where he's like, man, he didn't kill me then. And he could have killed me on in Cloud City, but he didn't. Um, what do y'all think of that? Do you think Vader was ever going to kill Luke, his only son? I don't think he ever really could have done it, but... I- you really wonder uh, what he would do to to really win favor with the Emperor. I, I don't know. I, I think Luke is correct. I think that deep down, Anakin, uh, he, I don't think he could have done it. That was like that's like his final uh, link to Padme, which was the the whole reason he turned to the dark side was to save yeah. her. So, and we now know in canon that a lot of his time when he's not doing things for the Emperor was spent in his castle yep. trying to do natural force stuff to bring Padme back. And so that's just, I don't know, uh, a lot, a lot of crazy stuff going on in that respect. But I, uh, I don't think he really could have. Brad, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, when you think about Vader all through the years until he found out Luke was his son, there was really nothing for him to live nope. for. And mm-hmm. once, you f- once he finds out he still has a kid, then there's something there. You know, there's a glimmer of, of hope. Mm-hmm. And Anakin Skywalker kind of starts to slowly and surely come out of the 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 woodwork, yeah. you know, Vader's facade. I forget which one of you said you mentioned like facade earlier. Mm-hmm. The idea that, you know, yeah. he has this on him, but it's starting to get cracked away and like, an, like, you know, like an egg and inside the egg is the true person. So, um, so yeah, I don't think he ever had any intention of of killing Luke. I think. Vader is just as confused as Luke is probably. And I'm hoping that's something that's explored in the comic series that are coming out. You know, what, what is Luke and Vader dealing with post empire strikes back? You know, Vader just having had the denial from his son to join him. That's gotta be pretty disheartening. So, um, so yeah, I think Vader fully planned on, um, I I think he didn't want his son to turn to the dark side. I think he was trying to kind of figure out how, they would go about that battle finally, but he was more relying on Luke to to kind of initiate that sort of moments or action, yeah. and then he would follow. It just took him a little bit to get there. You know, it, mm-hmm. old habits die hard. Well, the 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 reference you made of the egg cracking, you can almost see that literally from Ben Solo's point of view, and like it took so much for him to finally like you know, except that he is not going to have to wear this mask only to then in this movie, which I can't wait to see why he chooses to put the mask back on. But like, 
it's a cracked look. You know, he's broken as a character as well. Just like these Skywalker men, all of them are essentially so broken. The only one that's a little bit more grounded than most is Luke. And I think that primarily comes from Luke's childhood being a pretty normal childhood compared to most of the men in his family. Um, but um, with that being said, um, it gets to the Palpatine. Good, good. And it goes to the classic Luke, who is by by nature a pacifist. I will not fight you. And we see that again in TLJ. He does not do any fighting. He is simply there as a distraction. And um, the only time Luke does this fighting is when Vader brings up, especially for sister, you have a twin sister. And I know Jerry loves that scene. You've always talked about that scene. Even when we first when I, when I first I met you, you scene. brought up like that's one of your favorite scenes. Um, why do you like that so much? Just because one one big part of Star Wars that I've always loved is the the whole focus on family. Yeah. Whether it's your actual blood family or found family, things like that, it, it's there is a sense of community and togetherness and finding your yes. people and who they are. And I really love that. And what this scene says to me is, you know, even though Luke and Leia are actually blood related, they started out as found family. Yes. And just the, this is like the culmination of everything they've been through. It's kind of like the last straw, you know, Luke is really trying to be good. Like he almost strikes down yes. the emperor, but Vader, from doing that, which I think is interesting. It is interesting. Um, you, you know, like, and you just have uh, Vader trying to call him out, whether, you know, who knows, maybe, is he trying to turn to the dark side? I think he's just, he's still like, look, I don't know what I want yeah, to do yeah, yet. Yeah. Um, but it's that last straw of, you know what, if you're not going to turn, then I'm going to go get yep. your sister. Like, no. And that's when his anger just like... Beaks reaches its point he's uh, like Wreck-It Ralph his passion bubbles very near the surface in this scene so <laughs> that's a good that's a good thing to mention um, Brad do you have anything in particular that you would like to bring up about this drastic turn you know this this Luke being a pacifist to being like I think I think real quick for me I think it's like Luke's only attachment that's the good in his family is his sister and he loves Leia as a as a person mm-hmm. and as a sister too now I think when he's like, I'll turn her. It's like, you can't take that last thing away from me because you got to think Luke's lost everything at this point as well. Just like Vader's lost everything. Just like Leia's lost everything. Just like Ben will inevitably lose everything later. It's like this, these Skywalkers have such a struggle with losing everything for themselves, everything they held on close to. And I think this is the last string for Luke. What, What do you think, Brad? Yeah. I mean, it very much mirrors Anakin's fall too. I mean, Anakin feared losing somebody he loves. So now Anakin or now Luke's going through that same thing yep. as well. And we see him mm. nearly give into the dark side and go down that same path as his dad. And it's not until he realizes that he cuts off his dad's hand and sees oh, the, the wiring underneath that. Hey, they're more alike than you might oh, think. We're both favorite. more alike than I thought, you know, like father, like son, like I'm continuing down mm. that same path as my dad right now. And, and I think that's a very powerful moment to throw aside the lightsaber and say, you know, I'm a Jedi like my father. I don't care that, you know, you're threatening my sister. This is all going as the force wills yeah. it and things are going to work out. She'll be fine, but I'm not going to sacrifice my own morals and values to, 
to protect her like like my dad did exactly. you know i mean he threw aside yeah. everything that he knew about the jedi's teachings just to save somebody he loved which is the wrong way to go about it and you know i've it very much mirrors to like the last jedi with uh with luke holding the saber oh, above ben solo perfect. how yes. he's holding it above his dad i mean the reason that i mean that shot was put in the movie by Ryan it was Johnson framed perfect on purpose. Oh yeah, it was framed. He he had he right. had just acknowledged it like a week or so ago, two weeks ago, that they framed that scene literally perfectly for that exact reason. And it's yeah. then I want real quick. I don't mean to stomp on what you were saying, Brad, but that is literally my favorite scene in all of Star Wars. It's like this realization, that like I am so close to being like this robotic man before me. That is my father. Like I don't want to be like that. And and Luke always has this realization of like, I can't do this. And of course this is when Jerry loves to bring up, he cast his saber to the side. Now I'm going to be like a Jedi, like my father before me. And then Palpatine goes from being like, you will join me to being like, oh, I see how it's going to be and goes to kill him. You know, it, it's a, it's a huge right. switch. And the thing I love the most, it's so hard to watch almost is the Vader's like, his like chest, you know, I can't even do the voice, the sound of it, but it's like that that wheezing, and he's like holding his other hand up, like, please don't, don't strike me. It's like this character you're so used to seeing being the big baddie, and like you're scared of him being so weak and feeble. But he's an old man, you know? Um, I, right. It's realizing that that anger is only, all anger you will ever deal with, unless you're a bitter person, is always passing. It should never, anger should never be something you, you, even as an individual, as a human being, you should never dwell in anger because you can't live with it. You know, it'll only ruin you. Um, it'll only bring negative consequences. And I think it's it's a huge life lesson that people, you know, obviously the fandom hasn't realized yet. You know, with the fandom menace and everything else that's that's coming. You know, like you can't be angry at this stuff. It's not gonna make you any better, any happier, any more, any more. Um, I guess any more that you realize that just being angry in general doesn't help. And I think that's when Luke's like, right. wait a minute, this makes sense now. I, I'm not going to be like this man that I just defeated before me. But um, any thoughts on that real quick? Yeah, I got to say it's a little bit ironic that that specific group of people go against everything the Jedi stand yeah. for. So, you know, that's my thought on that, I yeah, guess. It's, they seem to think they understand Star Wars more than most people. Exactly. And uh, it seems to be quite the opposite because yes. you're literally getting into <laughs> anger. So it's true. Anger and fear yeah. and hate. It, Anyways. No, uh, but, you know. Jerry, <laughs> any thoughts on the hand realization moment? Because I think it's a huge moment. It, it really, it really to me mirrors uh, his failure in the cave. Oh, in wow. Yeah. Um, so I, I, that's, and that's really the only thing I have to add to that is you guys have really just kind of so eloquently uh, dissected that. So, but yeah, it just really kind of reminds me of that. I think he's at that moment looking back like to his failure at the cave and like, Oh crap, I'm about to do it again. Yeah. You know? Well, it's, it's also the implication that they both have robotic hands because like it's almost one step further. Right. Like my hand is also like his hand and, that's my dad, and I don't want to be like my dad, you know? Like, that his ignorance is inevitably what led to him his, having his hand chopped off, right? That is literally what led right. him being ignorant and leaving and not completing his training is a reflection of then later seeing his dad also being ignorant. And I think it's a, I think it's a huge thing, and hopefully Ben or Ray or whatever the situation is, they'll learn from that experience. But um, 
he will become his father if he lives in the dark side. He doesn't. And we know that when Luke passes on, he is nothing like his father. He actually is the, the, probably the most true to the Jedi name we've seen so far. Um, I'm a Jedi like my father right. before me and the force theme plays and the force theme is not used that much in this movie. It's maybe used five or six times. We get movies like the sequel trilogy tends to make the force theme this like every seven minutes we get the force theme somehow, you know, but this movie is it. And it mean, it must mean something. I don't know. Um, I love the, Plus, you get my favorite. You get my favorite uh, uh, Palpatine line after that. I'm a Jedi like my father before me. Uh, You know, and he goes, "So be it, Jedi." Yes, like the way he's so great. But we'll see. My my favorite Palpatine line may change uh, come you know 17 days. Well, this this can be brought up too. It's you fool. Only now at the end do you understand, Jerry. You love that line. I know you've used that line in the show a couple of times too. It's a. Uh, oh, it's, <laughs> it's just a fun one to yeah. say in a Palpatine. Yeah. It's, it's just like, young fool. You know? Yeah. Uh, so. Um, I love the also this line. Palpatine has such good one-liners. You have paid the price for your lack of vision. Ooh. It's like. This dude. It's just again. It's a dude who thinks he's he's got it all and just thinks that that feeling for other people and, and loving other people is a weakness. Yep. So. Yep. But uh. I love this fire. next parallel is huge for this final scene is the Luke asking his father to save him. Father, please, father, please. And he's on the ground and he's shaking back and forth. And um, the line that Palpatine then uses, young Skywalker, you will die. I just hope we see, you know, young Solo or young Ray, you will die. It's just, Ooh. you know. Uh, how many of the did you guys see uh, the the TV spot with the, you saw the TV spot with the uh, that came out on Thanksgiving with uh, uh, Duel yes. of the Fates and Imperial yeah so you heard that Palpatine dialogue then correct what was it was I don't remember it it was this will be the final word in the story Skywalker of Skywalker. yeah so yep. <laughs> where's that yeah. Um, yeah, I can't uh, wait for that scene. You know he's talking to Ben Solo. Um, oh, gotta, gotta love it. Um, gotta uh, love that. We had our, I'm so before, before I, I'm, I guess I want to move on just briefly to this next part. When Vader's head turning is this happening. But I don't know if you ever noticed this, but on our, on our Revenge of the Sith episode with our friend Eric, um, he brought up how this head turning, you know, between Vader and Luke, his realization happens literally exactly the same exact it's almost it's framed a little bit differently but it's exactly the same way vader looks at mace and palpatine you know when he's like stuck between a choice and i think in this moment vader realizes i'm i've got to make the right choice this time or i got to make the noble choice this time and save my son and um i like i told jerry i like the no sequence a lot in this part Apparently that's a complaint, but I really liked when Vader lifts him up. He's like, no, <laughs> no. And then he throws him. I think it's pretty damn good. But um, what do y'all yeah. think of that whole moment of of obviously Vader being conflicted, knowing what is right and what is wrong, the idea of redemption? I know Brad has, has a pretty strong stance on that. What do you think, Brad? I mean, the essence of Star Wars is redemption, you look at every single character and they, each of them have their own redemption arc. Yeah. You know, I mean, 
why have a story to at the end of the day tell us you can't change no matter what you try to do and you can't get any better that i mean what is the point in yeah. that you know that doesn't help anybody not at all and we talk you i mean we just talked about what five ten minutes ago about leading a light of ha- life of yes. hate and like how that is bad and unhealthy to do so if we're saying if you're leading that life currently you can never get better no. than that sorry that's how you're going to be the rest of your life no the message is you can get better yeah. so what vader is going through is to say you know we've all had our dark side in our life we all had moments that we're not proud of we've all had journeys and turns that we're not proud mm-hmm. of but there is a path that we can take it's always the choice to change the outcome we can't change the past you know in some way i think of kylo saying kill it which to an extent sure kill the past in terms of um you know don't let it hold you back from changing yeah. but also the fact that you also have to acknowledge the past to not make those same mistakes so it's kind of like a weird push and pull on that front but mm-hmm. for vader i think he's definitely thinking about his past in some way and what he's been through with the emperor but also realizing he has the chance now to change the the narrative and also save his son yeah so that's why he tells him you know you were right about me um God. you know the whole time i told you it's too late for me son but now he's saying, you know, you were right. It wasn't too late. I can always change. I can always make that choice. And I mean, that's what Star Wars is about. I, I, I could go on this for another hour. I know we don't have that time kind of time, but, um, you know, redemption is, is the most important thing in Star Wars. And I would I would really think thinking otherwise is a misread, in my opinion. But that's just kind of my tea. That's there. beautiful. No, I love it. I love that little that little. Uh, I mean, you, you bring up a good point in regards to redemption. It's it's. Everyone might have their own subtle moments, and and hopefully, in Rise of Skywalker, we'll get something very interesting. Maybe a, a play on it a little bit. Um, Jerry, any perspective on this redemption of Vader? You know, just that. I know. I. What really can you add? You know, uh, I'm just ready to see uh, Ben Solo come back yeah. to the light uh, in the new story here. So, you know. I don't know. It's uh, it's just something that they've really now that I've watched the movie with these kind of analytical eyes. It's it's set up. It is set up. Uh, so so far into the beginning of this movie, and even uh, maybe a little bit uh, after uh, you know his confrontation with Luke on Cloud City. Yeah. You know, he kind of like he doesn't choke anybody out. He just kind of goes like, mm, that's that kind of yeah. sucks. I don't know. It's just kind of the culmination of all well, that. Well, totally. So. No, it, you bring up a good point too. It's this this idea has been rooted in, in especially Ben Solo's story since the Force Awakens. You know, there's still good, good in him. I feel it. Had said in each movie, you know, and if we just base it off the movies, they've been setting it up a lot. So maybe we'll see something interesting occur, um, especially with this next part too. Palpatine falling to his death, quote unquote. Um, I don't know what you think, Brad. Um, if we can all state just a short statement as to what we think Palpatine's going to go through, or while why and how Palpatine's still around, I'm I'm under the uh, umbrella that he transferred his spirit into Vader's mask, and he had to kind of be activated to be brought back out into this world. But this is all huge speculation on my part, um, Brad. In regards to that, Vader, I mean Palpatine coming back. What do you think? Yeah, I love the I love the Vader's mask theory. I was thinking today as I watched it, I think those blue flames that come up when he falls down mm-hmm. that shaft is um I think he's maybe transporting himself uh, into the world between okay. worlds. I think he's finally like pulling out that last ditch effort of like I don't want to have to do this, but I have uh-huh. to at this point. I have no mm-hmm. other choice. Yeah. So he kind of enters that uh-huh. world and it's very reminiscent of the 
the blue flames that we see yeah. him use to try to enter that in Rebels. Yeah. So um, to me, right. that makes sense. And then maybe, you know, this contingency plan is him finally coming out of that at some point once he's ready to take on the, the, the light in the dark. That'd be wild. That'd be huge, especially for overall canon. It would make people want to go back and watch Rebels again. Uh, Jay, what do you think? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of lean towards that too, just to, whether it's that or that he really did figure out the way to cheat death yeah. and, and we're going to see like, I don't know, some kind of whatever they do. I know we, a lot of, everyone has the, the rumor that they're like, uh, I hope it's not this cause that'd be dumb. Uh, that's, you know, execution is key on all this. And so whatever they do, I, I just trust what JJ is putting forth for us here. Yeah. And so, but I, towards doing some kind of weird force trick like that for sure definitely um <laughs> flames are definitely interesting uh, they tell a story what about you um, Scotty? and with the with the helmet thing really that's where i go and uh maybe a sith holocron being included or something weird i don't know i think i think the idea of whole cruxes from harry potter was really kind of a cool way to to kill a villain and if it's gonna be a way to revive a villain in this story i really wouldn't mind if they kind of stole from that <laughs> but um we're we're wrapping up finally on on the end of this film, and it's a dense movie in regards to the lore. I'm so glad we've made it this far. Uh, for anyone listening, you're you're doing really well. I'm very proud of you. Um, <laughs> um, for anyone who's listened to all six episodes so far, my goodness, you must be uh, you, battling. Yeah, <laughs> um, we we get to uh, Luke and Vader's final moments together, and Vader, of course, is the great line with the sad Imperial March playing in the background. I mind you, which I think mm. is kind of funny. Is let me look on you with my own eyes. So almost reminiscent of Phantom Menace, yeah. right? You know, kind of that like oh, sweet yeah. at the end of Anakin's oh, yeah. theme of Phantom. Oh yeah. Oh so, Jerry, yeah. hello. Great job. Oh, just uh, just FYI, I just saw a tweet from uh, uh, David W. Collins that this week they are finishing their uh, Star Wars trilogy uh, podcasts oh. and stuff. So the the uh, soundtrack show is going to be doing, starting Return of the Jedi yes. this week. So that's awesome. That is going to be um, good. So there you guys, there's some other listening for you on the journey to the Rise of Skywalker. Um, so. Let me all look on you with your own eyes. It just takes me right back to the Revenge of the Sith. Well, uh, what is that? What does that remind you of? The last oh, look. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, it's that that what we were talking about in Revenge of the Sith, where like the mask is coming down and you the eye yep. the the greens turn on and you see what he sees oh, it's and awful. it's it's cold red, and, uh, just very yeah. It's it's very devoid of life yeah. and such a sad. If you really think about it, it's so sad. Like. And that's really, it really adds a lot more, like you said, too. Uh, let me look on you with my yeah, own eyes. Yeah. Just, you got to think about it. I know he gets out of that uh, thing every now and then, gets a little, takes a little back to bath, yeah. you know, really. but uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. Still uh, the same. Bubble bath. He never really has got to look, he never really has got to look at no. Luke in the his own eyes. And so you, you got to think that's. And me, me speaking as a father, uh, I have a daughter, yeah. but uh, I just can't even imagine no. that. You know, not, not being able to actually like uh, looking at the world through screens is just That's kind awful. of awful. Yeah, it is. So, um, <laughs> yeah, we look at enough screens in our own life. Could you imagine? <laughs> yeah, Screen yeah. time's like, hey, you spent seven hours on your phone today. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, yeah. Vader. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing I want to bring up. Twitter. I love how how <laughs> sad and weak. Vader is you know like no no go my son leave me 
you know, and Luke is just so kind. He's just, it's almost like you, I don't know if you ever had a, a grandparent or someone pass before you, but it felt a lot like that. It's like, you just, you just want to be there for them in their final moments. And Luke is very well aware, you know, and I, I love this line, this line, it kind of, it made me tear up a little bit was, you know, you already have Luke. You were right about me. You were right. Tell your sister you were right. It's like, so cool that Vader found hope in his son even after everyone thought he was a terrible monster for doing what he did. And, and he was, let's, let's be honest, he was a terrible person, but it's that idea of redemption. Like, like uh, Brad brought up earlier, you know, he, he was right. You know, maybe Ray, it's my favorite maybe word. like Ray said to, you know, no, you will turn Ben. I see, I see it. I have foreseen it. You ben, know, it's Ben's going to learn the full story. Come oh, dude, I can't but wait. I don't think he knows the full story yet. Cause Obviously, uh, he's he, he didn't catch the very end yeah. of it. So I, if, he didn't catch the. Well, I want to ask you this: Is that a speculation? Do you think Vader like saw a lot of Padme in his son when he passed? Did he see like you know like someone that cares for me even though I'm so broken and so conflicted? What do y'all think? It's possible. I mean, you tend yeah. to see your. I, I mean. The famous thing, at least in Harry Potter, is like you have your mother's yeah. eyes, you have Lily's yeah. eyes. So, you know, I, I'm sure that's something we'll never find out. Yeah. But I would imagine, at least in Vader's dying moments, there was some sort of, you know, you hear a lot about people when they die. They're like, you know, I see yeah. my wife. I see this person yeah. in front of me. They're there. Yeah. OK. And a lot of times, you know, people will say it could be just your, what your brain's going mm-hmm. through at that moment, releasing all of its endorphins right at once to kind of bring back those memories and some sort of like, you know, um, some sort of... Uh, Life form, uh, I, can't, I can't even think of no, words no, no. at this point. I get it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and I think that's possibly what Vader went through. I mean, it's very, very possible. And he spent so much of his life trying to bring her back. So that's probably his one thing he holds on yeah. to for so long was his love was what damned him. Yeah. And that's the kind of the saddest and most tragic part about Anakin Skywalker. It is. And uh, I think I think especially for his... But it's also the love that saved him. Oh, uh, so. well, yeah. yeah. I, and especially for his death, it's like this man is like on his last dying breath. And he like, all he wants to do is be with his son and he accepts his death. And he dies very peacefully, even though he was just shocked prior to that, but he dies very like, you know, he just lays his head back and it's over. And it's a really well acted scene. And I think it's funny that Sebastian Stan had no idea, like the implications of that. He was like, yeah, I played Darth Vader and I just died. It's like, that's, I'm not about It's Sebastian Stan. Yeah. He, no, am I saying that wrong? Am I thinking of, I am thinking of wrong. Who who played Sebastian Shaw? Shaw. You're thinking Sebastian Stan, the Winter Soldier. Sebastian Shaw was like, yeah, I played Darth (laughs) Vader. No big deal. Um, Now, I want to ask you this. Jerry actually just brought it up. Does Kylo know his grandfather's actual death? Does he know it like we know it? What do you think? I don't think so because, I mean, when he found out about Vader being his grandfather, I'm pretty sure that was like through the news. Oh, yeah. Which mm-hmm. happened in Bloodline, yeah. So, I, and I think you know that's a pretty powerful thing to touch on, maybe, and oh. especially in this day and age where uh, there's a lot of misinformation out there, and you can go down the wrong yeah. path or believe in the wrong things if you don't check right. your sources and check your facts, and which facts never lie. But I think for for Ben, he definitely has some skewed facts, and his for what I think is a support supposed force bond with Snoke. Uh, much like he has with Ray, but Force Bond can be used for dark side yeah, purposes yeah, yeah. as well, which is in Secrets of the Jedi. I think mm-hmm. uh, Snoke manipulated him to think a certain thing about Anakin and how he went down 
uh, versus the reality of that. And I think being back in that throne room will be, will bring Ben back to reality and give him those missing well, facts, which will then be the, the final catalyst and the final dagger in the, the Ben Demption coffin. Right. Dagger, I got or the the key in the bed Demption coffin to open it up and release what's inside. Well, this yeah. this is a good point to be made because you forget that even Ray acknowledges it. You know when he, she's talking to Luke around that little forced, I guess, little forced meditation pond they have in that room. He's like, "You turned him. You turned Vader. You were the one that did it." You know, Ray acknowledges that. So there has to be some reality of that's a thing, or maybe Leia told her. You know, no you know that Luke turned Vader. It's it's a big thing. I don't know. And maybe maybe that's something that Ray does imply in the Rise of Skywalker. Um I don't know if anyone else listening, hopefully you have, you probably hear three very tired men and we'll be coming to our conversation in a close in a little bit. I can tell in my voice I've gotten more weary in my old age. <laughs> but uh let's close this It's been eighty four. <laughs> exactly. Um, let's close this conversation out with the, the ending sequence. Um, Jerry brought up, already brought up the Han twin realization. I love that. But um, if I can rant on, if I can rant on anything else real quick. Sorry, my cat's trying to like uh, no, conversation good. here. He's like jumping up and hitting Let the Jack desk, join. So. Right, um, I loved the funeral pyre sequence because this has way more implications than we realized the original. I guess when. When you watch the sequence now, it's like, obviously, Kylo Ren went back and found that burnt mask and made it happen. You know, like, he saw something in it. And, like, the idea of fire in Star Wars is really huge. And I think it's an idea of cleansing, an idea of realization. You know, Luke stood before fire when he watched his parents get burnt. He stood before it when, when he's watching his father, oh, no, parents, his, his aunt and uncle get burned. He stood before the fire whenever he... um. He watches his father then burn. He stood before the fire yet again whenever he uh, he watched the tree burn down. It's this idea of fire is very important, I think, to the Skywalkers. And we even kind of see it in the most recent Duel of Fates thing with the TIE fighter being on fire on what appears to be Octo. I have no idea what that is. I don't want to get into it just yet. Um, but uh, <laughs> with that being said, this, this idea of fire is huge. And we've only seen two funeral pyres, which is... Qui-Gon, the very beginning of the Phantom Menace, and then a book ends with episode six with Vader being the funeral pyre. And how I interpret that is it's like Obi, I'm sorry, Qui-Gon's mistakes are then like kind of fully visualized at the end of this. You know, he might have not been the chosen one after all. And this funeral pyre is this idea of cleansing the world of this possible mistake and it's all over now and we kind of see that's not the case when, when Ben Solo comes back around. Anyone have any statements on that? Brad, looks like you want to say something. Maybe. Yeah, no, I think I'm very excited to see how this all wraps up. You know, the Phantom Menace started this all, and yeah. it's it's finally time we put an end to this endless cycle yeah. that he has caused so much harm in the galaxy and so much totally. pain and suffering, and it's all linked back to him, and it's pretty scary stuff. Like, his actions alone, Palpatine's actions alone, caused the Empire, caused... Yeah. The Sith yeah. to rise up, cause what's happening with the First yeah. Order. It's just, it's terrifying. He's the final loose yep. end, and uh, and I know Ben Solo is gonna, he's gonna come come out with that big blue <laughs> cross guard lightsaber. That's my theory. That's I hope that's the case. Cool. Hope that's the case. Well, it's gonna I, rise to the occasion. <laughs> I think uh, I'll I'll give a call back to our uh, first uh, to our Phantom Menace episode of the Bob Bebella. 
where like I, I kind of think we're going to get a uh, version of the funeral pyre where it is Palpatine. Oh, wow. And and uh, not necessarily a, a respectful, but like a final, like we we have Let's finally defeated. Mm-hmm. We're going to make sure that this is this is it. done for yeah. good. It's kind of a, uh, you know, like fire is, is cleanse is a, a kind of representation of cleansing. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Vader having a funeral pyre is almost respectful of like kind of burning away maybe some of his sins or something that the evil that he's caused. Yes. Uh, but I just think it would be kind of interesting if we have a funeral pyre, but it's it's for Palpatine. It's reverse. It's not for the. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's more of like a oh, finally, yeah. you know. Well, um, which leads into the next ending sequence of this movie, the celebration of freedom. Um, I don't have enough energy to talk about Yub Nub versus Victory theme, so I'll just make my claim. I think Yub Nub <laughs> significantly better. It's way more like exciting and fun. Uh, anyone have any opposing views to me? <laughs> Brad, what about you, buddy? Gary, I know what Jay's gonna say. <laughs> Uh, sorry, I'm losing track, guys. I'm so tired. No, no, <laughs> you're good. Uh, yep, number victory theme. I, okay, I'm. Wow, I just really spaced theme. there. I'm so sorry. No, it's okay, dude. No <laughs> it's a late eve. Um, no yep, number victory dance. I'm a huge Yub Nub yeah. fan, and if we don't get a Yub Nub musical number in the Rise of Skywalker, it's a disappointment. <laughs> and I will complain about this movie for two years and create many YouTube videos about it. So that's all I'll say. <laughs> You heard it here, folks, guys. Whoa, wow, wow, wow. See, I'm not even making any sense at this point. You heard it here first, folks. Uh, yeah, you guys all know I'm, I'm Team Victory. Uh, victory Celebration, I believe, is the title sure. of the track. I just fits the whole... Uh, it does. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. So I, I, would I, I enjoy too. that. It's a, it's a, a more, like, triumphant final mm-hmm. number. But I I enjoy those little rascals bouncing around, singing, you know, and all that stuff. That's kind of fun. My daughter loves that yeah. too, you know. Like, I'm just saying, she really does love that. Like, who doesn't love the Ewoks? I agree. So. Um, <laughs> A lot of people, apparently. Well, so. one thing I want to bring up to kind of end this this huge discussion about such a dense movie: Yoda, Anakin, and Obi Wan all looking on. The inclusion of Hayden. Um, do you think at any point George was going to do something about that? Like, did you think that was, I know it was intentional. Obviously it was intentional, but what, what does that mean? And I, and I, you know, I haven't read any leaks and I don't know anything about the rise of Skywalker, but going on a hunch that I have, I think Hayden is going to be involved in some regard because of just what they set up in this movie alone. What do y'all think boys? Yeah, I agree with that. I think, it. you know, again, this is the, started the Skywalker saga with the story of Anakin. So I think you have to have some sort of callback yeah. or mention of him. That's, I think that is a requirement, Totally. which kind of sounds a little bit like, you know, selfish of me to say, but I just think from a storytelling perspective, you have to bring yeah. it back to that. You know, it's what started everything and it kind of needs to be acknowledged in some fashion. So, um, I, w- I would say with pretty good confidence, we will see a force ghost Anakin. I agree. What about you, Jerry? Yeah, I agree with that. I just, I don't know. I've always uh, kind of stood up for that. I know a lot of people got upset because they're like, well, it's supposed to be uh, Sebastian Shaw, not Sebastian Stan. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, like, what, what, that not that disrespectful? Like, I mean, 
you know, we'll, you can always like try to find that version and, and watch that. But I, I've in the scope of, again, the, the whole, uh, canonical saga here. Uh, I, I think it really makes sense that it is Anakin, yeah. you know, is Hayden Christensen because that's that's who we know of Anakin. That's who that's what he was to me. It makes sense because that's who he was when he was good. Uh, that so I don't know to me in a spiritual sense like that's his spiritual good form. You know so definitely mm-hmm. yeah that Why makes sense. He wanted to like yeah. go back to looking like Hayden Christensen. Exactly. You know it's the it's before the turn. If I if I was if I had unlimited power I'd be like you know what I think I, I want to look you know like I used to you know back in the day when I was really cool and. Padme yeah, and well, I'm the person I'm proud of. He was not proud of the person he became after he got burnt, obviously. Right. And uh, I, I just, I think it's a pretty cool scene, and I, I think it's definitely going to be utilized. And uh, um, that kind of wraps up the movie for us. I'm so glad everyone can join us. But uh, one thing I want to say, and I got to say it now too, um, I wrote in the show notes questions raised after watching the movie or when watching the movie. My biggest question is, um, and something I kind of want to end on too. How will we watch this throne room scene after the rise of Skywalker? How are we going to see this? What, what will this be a new light for us? Will we see that the implications of the throne scene have lasted significantly throughout the lives of each Skywalker, including Ben Solo? Um, Jerry, do you have anything you want to bring that up? Cause that's something you actually wrote in your notes. I think the way I'm going to watch it is I'm going to watch it thinking, man, I can't believe that Palpatine was a hologram oh this my whole God. time. <laughs> and just like one of those like elaborate ones. I can't believe that, oh my that God. in a big budget movie, J.J. made Ian McDermott do a big like, expository uh, speech about how, you know, back in the Clone Wars, we had these uh, holograms <laughs> that made you look like a real person. And so, yeah, yeah, no. No, but what do you really think? <laughs> um... I don't know, man. It's it, it, clarity. Yeah. We're we're gonna watch the scene with a lot more clarity. Uh, it's gonna be cool. I can't wait to rewatch this stuff uh, when we finally get everything all together, and uh, it's gonna be uh, transcendent. I agree. In a word. That's a beautiful so, way to put it. And that sounds like a good word at, at, at midnight. So. <laughs> Brad, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I think we'll we'll view it in a, a somewhat of a different light. I know the whole prophecy of the chosen one like what does it mean i i think the prophecy can really be interpreted however you need it to be interpreted yeah. and that's something that's that's been talked about in star wars especially master and apprentice totally. so um i don't think it will diminish the sacrifice of, of vader i think his sacrifice was necessary and i think in fact if they don't win the day in this final movie then it would make his sacrifice in vain yeah man. Uh, and wow. the sacrifice of many others so um so yeah that's awesome. I think I think uh, I th- also think Han Solo. Uh, this is another hot take of mine, but um, I think him dying was necessary for Ben, for Ben's journey. As sad as sad as it is to see him go, for I think viewers, all yeah. these deaths in the family are, are needed to get to the point that we're at now. I agree. Um, it sounds a little Absolutely. bit morbid, but I think it, it it all means something in the end and helps the character realize um, something about himself. Um, cool. So. Yeah, and I, I don't, I don't think he, it's morbid at all because you, you got to think the, the, the look on his face. He kills him, and he, he thinks. In the novel, we have him saying you know, like, "Oh, he thought he would feel like a swell of the dark side, and he just kind of feels yeah. empty." And so, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I so, think the same. It's all led to this final moment, and uh, Star Wars always changes how we look at what came before. It does. So that's, what, that's, that's right. exciting. So I, I'm looking forward most to that. But um, 
Anyway, I got to give a big thank you to Brad Whipple for being a amazing guest on this episode. That it was just, this was three hours and 36 minutes of pure joy <laughs> and just fun talking about this movie. And Brad, you have now made it the longest in the Bob Bad cast. How does it feel? I'll send you a trophy in the mail. You're welcome. Yeah, I was about to say, where's my medal? Yeah. <laughs> Better be one of those like something. chocolate ones. You open them up and there's uh, it's actually chocolate. Yeah. So I'd be <laughs> that's hint hint, right? No, <laughs> dude, seriously. And, and you know what? That I believe Brad is the founding member of the one and only yeah, he club. Is. Uh, I'm remembering yeah. correctly. I don't know. We, don't 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 come at me, uh, members <laughs> of the one and only club. But uh, thank you again, Brad, for your time. For, uh, talking so long with us on here yeah no i mean thank you guys it's any opportunity to come on other podcasts is pretty great i feel it feels nice to be asked onto these yes. things right. especially because it tells me i'm doing something right so well, i just you appreciate your, your guys's you know support and for you reaching out so i'm always happy to to talk the talk especially if ben Demption's involved i guess yeah thank you well, or redemption if you don't mind i'm gonna plug your pod here brad um Friends of the Force is fantastic. Incredible editing. Plug I away. often take a lot of your editing cues and how you how you phrase certain things from your show, and I try to implement a minute of mine. So you're doing some really good things on your Appreciate on that. your end, and uh, I I'm I I hope everyone has the opportunity before the Rise of Skywalker comes out to go check out Brad's show, and and especially even after because the coverage does not end here. We've got, and I'm sure he's got a lot more in store. In the coming months, I know we do. Yep, indeed. Uh, all Star Wars content uh, makes are, are very, very tired. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Star Wars totally. Here. But it's a great, good, tired. We're man. I can't yeah, I'm running four shows right now, so exactly. it's, uh, oh it's been pretty nuts. I might take a break though, leading up to this movie. I might there might be a little short hiatus. We're gonna take one after of episodes. Yeah, we're gonna take one after. <laughs> the man has to sleep sometime. Yeah. You know? um, <laughs> Brad, yeah. where, Let's sleep. where can people find you, dude? When, when, when after, after this is yeah. over, when people can, you know, kind of take it easy, or actually even right now when they don't want to take it easy and on the Star Wars hype train, where can people find you, man? <laughs> <laughs> well, my podcast, Friends of the Forest, is on uh, iTunes, Apple, uh, those are the same things, uh, Google, <laughs> Spotify, uh, et cetera. And, and we are on Twitter at Friends of Force and Instagram at Friends of the Force. So, you know, I post a lot of uh, just, you know, fun Easter eggs, post episodes daily on those on those social media platforms. And we have a website uh, that includes all the guests that we've had on the show. So if you're looking for maybe a possible interview or a possible talking point that we've discussed at some point, that would be the place you want to yeah. go. Um, we just recently had uh, actually a second sister on the show. Uh, most recently for my interview series. So I got to talk to her. Oh, so if you haven't listened to that episode, go uh, check that out. Cause she talks a lot about the character. Oh, wow. and, uh, it's a pretty great conversation. Hell so. yeah. That's cool. Wow. Yeah, dude. Congrats. That, that's moving on up. That's, that's fantastic. Trying, yeah. but uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I, you know, we're all about positivity. You won't find any, nope. uh, you know, negativity mm-hmm. bullcrap that you might deal with online that's kind of the biggest thing i try to to go for so thank you guys for being positive of voices course. in the community and just loving star wars so um, that's hey. you know i wouldn't come on here if i didn't think you guys fit into that category <laughs> that's, that's so, awesome man uh, you guys are awesome well thank you for acknowledging that uh, it's high praise brad thank you thank you well you know hey guys go support brad man we that i'm i we really need to support positive star wars content out there just so let's drown out that drown out the hate with totally. positivity for sure totally um hell yeah well, with that being said um thank you again brad we'll see you probably very soon 
Um, our, yes. our, if we were to plug anything real quick, our next episode will be covering The Force Awakens with uh, Lacey Gilleran of the Resistance Broadcast and Star Wars Newsette. So super pumped for that. Um, just to do some quick plugs, uh, you can find us on YouTube with actually... Surprising enough, we didn't say it. We've now got a million views on the reaction video on uh, Bombadcast page. So pretty cool stuff. Uh, yeah. Rise of Skywalker. That's insane. Yes. Yeah. Congrats. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> that's awesome. All, that's all Scotty, man. He's front and center uh, on that. And uh, I take the, the attack. The, the likes and the, and yes. the hate. But, um, <laughs> so, are you getting that YouTube money? Yeah. Come I guess on, you can say hey, that. Send you a paycheck. But um, with that being said, uh, <laughs> Disney yeah, money, right? the show money, not the monetize <laughs> money. Um, yeah. With that being said, um, we are looking very forward to what we have in the future. Um, you can find me at Scotty Jera. I won't be responding to anyone, so there's no point in looking me up on Twitter. I, uh, <laughs> you can buy our shirts. Scotty's in Carbonite yeah. until after Pretty his much. comes out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dress up like a bounty hunter and go uh, defrost him in Louisiana yeah. after it's done. <laughs> Pretty much. No, um, you but can anyway. get our shirts at Tee Public. For my students listening, go get you one. Um, with that being said, uh, yeah, I have nothing else to say. Bombadcast. Um, find us on Twitter. You can find us on um, Facebook. Join the Bobhead fam, along with your stepmother, your former principal, and your old, um, your old, your old, uh, uh, your old um, a substitute teacher that used to that yeah. used to DM you a lot the second you left high school, yeah. asking about you know oh, where you got that shirt from. But uh, yeah, no. Uh, okay, did you sorry? Did you see that that Will Ferrell sketch on the last I did uh, not. SNL? the weird high school teacher who shows up at the party, but like, he's not doing yep. anything weird. He's just like, it's great. Go look that up. And okay. stuff. I was like, why is our teacher? He's being very cool and respectful. Like, <laughs> what, what is, it's so weird. Um, yeah, go check that out. Shout out to that. But that's, that's pretty much what the bomb bad fam on Facebook. Yeah. Like, so they just know, like so. it. Um, but anyway, I'm safe. Everything's good. Uh, Jerry, how are you? <laughs> I mean, how, how do we end this? <laughs> We're all fine here. Well, fine here. No, uh, guys, you know what? Again, like Scotty was saying, check out our Bombad Fam official group on Facebook. You can come hang out with us on uh, Twitter at Bombadcast. Uh, go follow Brad and Friends of the Force. Uh, and you can follow me and my crazy ramblings at the Cannon Junkie, Jerry the Cannon Junkie, at the Cannon Junkie on Twitter. And. Uh, yeah, guys, that's really all I have. If there is nothing else from these uh, wonderfully tired Jets, then <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and let you guys know that you need to tune in next week, uh, go get some sleep, and stay bombed.